Hi everybody, welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 70. We're back in the basement to talk about another week of wrestling. I am your host, and with me as always across the tiny table is my co-host and teenage son, Jackson. Say hello, Jackson. Hey man, don't bully the table, okay? The table is tiny. We are mm. very close. Yeah, but we could go back to the old <laughs> The table. card table? Yeah. <laughs> the old card table from literally the or 1970s. The, or the old table legs. Oh god, those were the worst. Ikea. Use a lot of your stuff, but that was some of the worst products I've ever seen. But anyways, <laughs> well, this week was pretty exciting for you, right? We've had our first sickness in this house in like oh, yeah. two years, probably. Yeah, since my pandemic. throat was really bad on Friday, and then I was more sick on Saturday. Yeah, it's probably pretty audible. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I don't know, it just kind of like from Saturday evolved into a cold, and then uh, it was like Monday. I was just coughing all like my throat yep. and my nose are pretty fine. And then I had to get a COVID test on Tuesday. Negative. So I was gone. And then Wednesday, Your brother got it. I was allowed to stay home. Yeah. And then my brother got sick. Then my Worse. mom got sick. He was a mess for yeah. a night. I so I only had two days of school this week. Yep. So your brother got his COVID te- COVID test negative. Your mother was the third person to get it. She's, She's on her way right now. now. Right. And I am the last survivor of the sickness. So I'm hoping temporarily. To, hopefully, I'm hoping to escape it all sitting across a two foot table from you for the next two and a half hours. Probably isn't going to help me, but. I'm thinking you're in recovery mode now, so... Oh, Yo, yeah, I'm good. It probably hopefully. didn't help you last week. But it was just the cough that was the concern, right? Everything else is kind of whatever, but as soon as... Especially your brother's cough was insane, so that had to be addressed, but COVID tests, all negative. I'm sure your mom's will be the same as well, because she has the same symptoms as you guys, but just the way our schooling system and work system is set up, we... As soon as you have anything that might be COVID, obviously you're off to get a COVID test and staying away from school, so you've right. got a couple days off, but due to the beauty of online learning now, you can keep doing your stuff online when you're home so i guess it worked out okay anything else exciting this week for you um i don't survivor series oh yeah survivor series (laughs) is coming up we will tackle a preview of that fantastic looking show um i can't think of anything that was exciting for me this week i just sort of dealing with a very non-exciting life yeah well when you're sick for 40 percent or 50 percent of the week you don't get a lot accomplished yeah I was just in the middle of watching my Raptors game, um, a bit behind just catching the Sacramento game. The Raptors are a fun team to watch. They're not necessarily a contender this year, but they're playing scrappy defense and hustling, so they're quite fun to watch. So no, I think I'm content to just go to school for the next few weeks because the, the downtime when I was sick, it was very boring. Yes, I, that's years ago when I... Especially when I had to stay home. like I could, I just wasn't doing anything. Years ago when I ruptured my Achilles, I was at about day three of off work i was starting to go crazy like you think oh it's gonna be great i don't have to go to work i can sit at home and do what i want to but by about the third day i was like could i just go back to work and do something it was well i also couldn't move right so that made it a little less i always say thank goodness netflix existed at that point because i just sat there and consumed netflix with my ruptured achilles in a one of those zero gravity lawn chairs in the middle of the family room. Remember that? I just lived in that chair for weeks and weeks and weeks. Good times. Mm-hmm. Not a fun thing to remember. But anyways, uh, so yeah, if you don't have anything else to banter about in our banter section, I figure we could get into talking about some wrestling stuff. And that first segment is going to be, like it always is, us talking about the week's news and rumors. So let's talk some ratings for this week. Tuesday's live WWE NXT 2.0 episode, which I'm pretty sure you're going to be given an A to A plus when we get to it. Um, I think you forgot about the A plus <laughs> plus. The unprecedented A plus plus. We're just going to say 100 percent, right? Yeah. 
Well, we're being sarcastic in case you don't know, but we'll get there. So that episode of NXT 2.0 drew 574,000 viewers. So the the slow decline to the bottom continues. That's down just under 5%. And a 0.11 rating in the key 18 to 49 demographic down a pretty significant 26.66%. So the interesting thing, right, is the very audience they claim that they're targeting with this show by making it young and hip and whatever they're not watching. They're tuning out. And right. we're close to tuning out. It's going to be a discussion we're going to have to have because I'm I'm close to being out after this week. I know I keep saying it and I, I keep hanging on. There's because one thing that'll probably t- keep me going next week. And then after that, I'm we'll see. Out. All right. Well, that's that sounds fair to me. So this week's NXT drew the second lowest audience in the history of the show on the USA Network. Obviously not a good week for them. The ratings seem to just it's a subtle slip every week. And to me, it makes total sense. Like, I don't want to dislike NXT. Believe me, it's my, it has been my favorite thing in wrestling. I almost want to dislike it now because they deserve it. They kind of do. It's just they're not, they're just saying, we're not even going to try. This is a show where they're just learning how to do this job. And if you want to watch, watch. And if you don't, don't kind of thing is what it feels like, right? Uh, But anyways, Wednesday's live post full gear edition of AEW Dynamite drew 984,000 viewers which is up just under 8% and earned a 0.37 in the 18 to 49 demo, which is up almost 9%. So they still didn't break a million viewers this week, which is kind of where I'd like them to be, and I'm sure they would too. Um, but they haven't done that since they started airing live on the West Coast in the middle at the end of October. This week's Dynamite drew the best viewership since the show started airing live out on the West Coast. So numbers are up a bit and getting back close to that million. And hopefully... They picked up some viewership from what we thought was an amazing pay-per-view, right? Which we did review, so if you haven't checked right. that out, it's on whatever feed you found <clears> this. We talked about what was top to bottom, an excellent pay-per-view. Right. And then I threw in, because I do every now and then if it comes across my stuff, Impact check-in, right? So Thursday's taped Turning Point Go Home edition of Impact, which I'll talk about later in this show, got 129,000 viewers, right? Which is up... A whopping 62.39%. So what that means, I think if I remember correctly, their viewership for last week was 79,000 people, which is not many people, right? Um, and it drew a 0.02 rating in the demographic, which is exactly the same as last week. So I just include it once in a while so we can see like they're getting around 100,000 viewers. So you've got like Dynamite getting nine times that at least and um, NXT getting five to six times that every week pretty much. So gives you an idea of where Impact falls. I think the majority of Impact's income and everything comes from overseas. So the ratings in the North America, I don't know how much they care about it, to be honest. But anyways, what are you, are, I'm assuming you're starting with the big news story of oh, this week. Yes, yeah. so, so go the ahead. big news, I'm sure everyone has heard, the final spot on the Men's Survivor Series SmackDown <laughs> team has been taken by Sheamus. That is the big news. Yes, I, I know everyone's been talking about that. Uh, it's super interesting. I'm, I'm very excited at the prospect game to see Seamus wrestle in a Survivor Series match. Well, I mean, it's nice to see young talent that I'm not familiar with getting these opportunities, right? Right, Yeah, I feel like he's been really underutilized. I think they should really give him the world title sooner Uh, or later. Seamus, I don't don't even know if I've heard, I can't even picture him. What is Um, he? I think he's a new guy from NXT UK or? uh, I think so. Yeah, I think he's Irish, so probably from NXT UK. 
I don't know. I, I don't pay attention to them a lot, so I, I don't see a lot of Seamus. So what was actually the big news? I'll let you go two in a row. Well, I'll, yeah, I will, Um, but I'll elaborate on this. He beat uh, Ricochet Cesaro and my favorite, Jinder Mahal, in a four-way with the help of Stupid Ridge Holland. Another one of my favorites. I don't mean to make fun of people, but remember when all of the people were like, the people, quote-unquote, Oh, this is Cesaro's big opportunity. Remember a while ago when he was getting it? I'm like, no, he's never. Like, you people Oh, when need he to... was uh, facing Roman Reigns? It's like, oh, he's finally going to get And I'm like, no, he's not. It was just not. backlash. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're not going to. Now he's he... in, like, a qualifier for right. Survivor Series so, and not winning. I like to say not I told you that. so because it's fun, but not when it means Cesaro is deep pushed. Not because even Ricochet. I like not even Ricochet. Even that would be nice. Right. But, like, not honestly, Sheamus is the most boring option of yep. all time. And the real big news is, of course, a 25-man battle royal on the Survivor Series pre-show to honor <laughs> Rock 25, right? Nope, that is not I'm big I'm just news. kidding. Um, but that is also there, so that's something. Um, WWE did do another little batch of releases. So yep, that's, of that's course fun. they did. As, um, they, as they... Here's the beautiful part. They cite budget concerns, right? For budgetary reasons, just after having their quarterly conference crawl where they rave about their profits and how much money they're making. Right. And then they try and tell us, like, you're having record earnings, but due to budgetary reasons, we need to fire, a, like, add to our record number of people fired this year. So this and company, Some of these man, are very questionable. This company is getting tough to support at right. all. But anyways, go ahead. Um, so the, the, it's a short list, but they released uh, John Morrison, which I think is kind of baffling because he seems to be one of their and I was saying guys. That obviously like, he's the, pretty good. They fired his wife not long ago, and apparently the thought is be, the only reason he didn't get fired at the same time is because he was overseas on the UK thing at that point. So they like waited for him to fulfill his usefulness there and then get back to America and get fired. Uh, Shane Thorne. Yeah. Sorry, Slapjack. He's a talented guy. He, he lacks cool. He I, lacks charisma and whatnot. I miss TM61. He's a good wrestler. Or, or the Mighty. That the, I hated that name right. change. That was so stupid. He's a good wrestler. Uh, Jackson Riker, probably the only one they got right here. Yeah, he needed to be gone a long time ago. Uh, Tegan Knox, which, man, she's been dealt a bad hand. She uh, she still has um, a tag team title shot that she hasn't gotten yet. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen with that. I think so that team got so... split up in the <laughs> they draft did, anyways. Yeah. as they had the title shot. No, but she's been dealt a bad hand. She got injury, 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 called yeah. up, did nothing, released. Which seems to be the thing now. You get called up, you do nothing, you get released. So clearly she loves this business, right? If she's fought back from, what, three serious She would be injuries? one of the ones that would be super useful in AW. I agree. They could use her um, there. Drake Maverick, which... I mean, he's never been the best, but I, thought, I always thought he was. And what good. did you tell me about? Um, he he uh, reposted <laughs> the his um like uh, release reaction video where he like cried, cried or whatever from last signed. year. Yeah. Um, which I thought was funny because I I think, however real it was last year, like that got him back, right? So it I did. think. Uh, whether this is a real attempt or not, or it's just a joke, I think that's kind of funny. Oh, that it's he, very well played by him. But sure. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. And finally, the rest of Hit Row. Yeah, that is... Including uh, Isaiah freaking Swerve Scott. Yep, so I have my news sort of tacks on to that. So the reports that are coming out are sort of that some did not appreciate Hit Row and specifically Top Dollar's sort of confidence and how he felt like he was too comfortable already. It's one of those like... I saw at least Top Dollar was, yeah. It's one of those he hasn't paid his dues and he can't just come in here... Yet at the same time, they try and talk about how sometimes Vince respects that, right? When you step in and try and fight for your character or make suggestions. So, um, and also there was sort Selective. of a, a back and forth about, I guess, who would lead Hit Row. And whether Swerve. and whether they should be heels or baby faces. So I actually, have a, I actually have a quote from Top Dalla. 
And it's, he said, here's what rubs people the wrong way. Standing up for your own. When Brie, who would be BFAB, right, yep. was released, I called the office myself to tell them they made a mistake. Standing up to yourself, people in the PC told me hit row wouldn't work for a year and a half, and I never took their advice. So to me, this is a group of talent, and I'm going to point this out only because I don't think it's a coincidence, who are a group of people of color trying to have input and stand up to themselves and have a voice, and Vince is not having that, and neither are his minions. So I don't know if I'm adding the race part in there, but I don't think that that is a completely impossible stance to take. No, it seems like a very possible thing, especially for Vince. So you see what happens. They're inexperienced. They haven't paid their dues. Well, and Vince is also the guy who's like, her business, oh, you're all black, group them together. Like, feud with Apollo Crews. Like, always like grouping like like, people with similar backgrounds together. Like... It is... Race is a defining characteristic to Vince McMahon. Yeah. Right? Um... So this, and I just think to contrast it to AEW, right, where the wrestlers are encouraged to give input and to pitch ideas no, for their stories. And what pisses me off, too, is they finally did something right this year. They gave Swerve the North American title. Right. Then they had him do absolutely nothing, nothing with for it. For three months. And then he had one defense against Escobar, which that was a right move. But then you just got cash in anyway, so the defense means nothing. And I was like, oh, it's because he's getting called up, which I already wasn't thrilled about. But then BFAP gets released a week after signing a new contract. And then they get released after, what, like less than a month? So they went from... You can go back. What was the point of calling them up? You can go back not very far to where we're like they are the coolest thing on NXT and maybe in WWE outside of like in the Roman summer Reigns at least work, right? it was. At the least. Roman Reigns character was amazing, and then Hit Row was like just a, this is a can't miss faction, right? This is like money. And they there. absolutely missed it. They missed and released them all. So I, I don't know. I I would love Swerve and AEW also. That yep. I I don't really care about the other two me too much because. They, they would have fit more in WWE. As a group, they were really awesome. But as individual components, Swerve's the only one. And and B-Fab not as a wrestler. She's awful. But I think she, she was, as a character... she remained as a valet. And keep working at wrestling, she could mm. get good, right? But I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but, yeah, that sucks. I, And now, um, not only is Swerve's basic figure no longer an NXT figure, is no longer a... Uh, accurate WWE <laughs> Anything figure. Anything figure, yeah. I mean, I'll still get it, but... Yep. Uh, what else do you have for news? Um, Kenny Omega versus El Hijo del Vikingo at Triple Mania, I think, Rega 2. I think it's because they did, like, the weird Triple Mania earlier this year, yeah, remember, with Omega Andrade, so I think yep. this is, like, because this is in December or whatever, where Triple Mania is supposed to be, so I don't know what the whole Rega 2 thing means, but I, would, I assume it's, like, a I don't either. subsequent thing or whatever. I don't know. I would but, probably try and check out that match. Vikingo is pretty crazy. But, so that match is off because oh, of off. Omega's injuries and whatnot like Good. he's yeah. had some issues i think he just needs he that guy deserves some time off if anybody does right it'll yeah. come up i think in my he, dynamite review later right he he was like kicking ass as world champion he worked for a, year, a pretty and, crazy schedule and he was an evp right yep. so I mean, and just like champion of multiple companies at the same right, time there's that too. i right. didn't even mention that but he's still tr- the triple a champion yep um he was impact champion for a decent amount of time and tna champion okay <laughs> don't be disrespectful of that yeah so defunct championship right um i i don't think that one's too ugly actually but... it's just the fact that they still had it existing when yeah. the company is not called that anymore anyways it's, a it, it, it's story. moose's fault it was moose's fault. it was um you have anything else yep the aew's the butcher is reportedly injured which is too i kind of like him i just think he has a really cool look um and he's been just came back from a pretty serious injury not too long ago so apparently he suffered a torn bicep which 
is not going to be a quick recovery, I don't think, in the match against Orange Cassidy, Cassidy and Ishii. Yeah, I think you were trying to what? It was all out, I think, which is September. Right, so he's been... Why uh, I remember that? So it's a shame, because again, he's just gotten back, and I do think he's a, a useful piece of the roster, and now he's gone again. And when he's gone, it's like they have nothing for Blade, right? So... Not that I'm a huge fan of him, well, but... because Blade's not that interesting. No, he's not. So he kind of disappears. Anything else from you? That's okay. I don't like HFO. Um, Giant Gargano's WWE contract is supposed to... Um, it's supposed to be coming up on December 3rd, and apparently he's still yet to sign a new deal. He has to be counting would he? a new deal. He, there's no way he's signing a new deal. Everything I know about Johnny Gargano, he's an intelligent person, and he loves wrestling. So if you put those two things together, you're not signing with WWE, right? right. If the money is at all close... And I could else. see them giving him the North American title next week to try to keep him around. But then, again, I thought they would do that with Pete Dunne right. on the first episode of NXT 2.0. And that clearly did not happen. Poor Pete Dunne with his re- recent contract signing. I feel really badly for him. Because he's going to be left alone there. Because who... Anyways, who would sign? I, I can't imagine And if, he's still, like, super young. So he's just working the years away. Right? And these guys all know each other and talk to each other. And they're talking to people in AEW. So they're getting the experience... Of what's going on there compared okay, to what I, they're I just dealing said this with. Before, but I would literally kill for Pete Dunne in AEW. That's, be incredi- that incredible. is the dream. I mean, and I know I I'm always like, they can't sign I'm everyone, but you sign Pete Dunne, you sign Pete, Johnny Gargano. Pete Dunne is legendary, okay? Yep. Pete Dunne's probably my favorite in NXT now because Adam Cole is gone. Yep. No offense, Pete Dunne, but Adam Cole is the best. And I don't, he's not, if he wins the title next week, I will. I, I put this in my notes, but mark my words, I will keep watching. I don't Dunne know how much longer they're going to have veterans win anything. To be yeah, honest, I know. Which but anyways, is, I, which I don't think will happen. Which is why I'm staking my watching of this show on well, him week. winning the title. Nice. Uh, I only have one more piece of news, and okay. that is, I don't know if you heard this, but Jonathan Gresham announced that he's starting a new wrestling promotion called Terminus. And other than that, he didn't That's say a much. Bad name. The release was Terminus Modern Age Grappling, January sixteenth, twenty twenty two, in Atlanta, Georgia. That's basically the only thing revealed, but. It's a bad name. It's not great. Kind of interesting to see because with the WWE releases and with ROH like releasing literally everybody, there's lots of talent floating around, right? So And that could even just run as an indie if he wants, right? And so. Gresham is awesome. So I, I'm hoping he's got a good mind for the business. He probably does. So I'm interested to see what happens. I can't imagine trying to start up from zero in what's still sort of like the tail end hopefully of a pandemic at least i mean maybe not the end in some parts of the states but right, and that's something that makes me feel good about aw again right because they survived they sure this did. whole thing right? they have super and they pockets, came out right? strong even right so because they have they have more money than vince technically right so they're if they're willing ha, to keep nice. it going they're um they will so Which tony khan definitely seems to he does. Yep. He loves wrestling, man. Uh, that's all I have for news. Do you have anything um, else? Daniel Garcia versus Eddie Kingston is going to be set for AEW Rampage Black Friday next week. Oh, cool. I'd watch that match for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and then AEW's Winter is Coming TV special will be set to return on December 15th. Nice. That was as, a good show. Except for Sting. Uh, Even DBA. whatever. Regardless, it was still good. Oh, uh, now it's been like almost a year. It has. Sting. One year that's anniversary disgusting. of Sting. Um, because last year's show was on December 2nd, uh, right. this one will be on December 15th, and we've been promised on that show more info on the Owen Hart Cup. Oh, nice. Interesting. Anything else? Uh, no. I am also done the news, so that'll lead us into, well, I, I don't know, maybe listeners could tell us, we're going to get into the part where we're going to complain a lot, and sometimes it's fun to listen to people complain a lot, so let me know if you want to, um, contact us, fnswrestling at gmail.com, fns underscore wrestling underscore podcast on Instagram, or a comment in YouTube works as well, because we are about to talk about 
the flaming pile of trash that is <laughs> NXT 2.0. All right, so NXT is going to start out right away with a dream match for you, right? Uh, Dexter Loomis oh versus Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. That's, and the first note I have is that that's com- already a great sign. commentary sound idiotic trying to summarize D'Angelo De Niro. What's his name? No, that's not the- oh, wow. Sorry. Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> as like, that was awful. Because they have to talk about all of his stereotypical, oh, he gave him the dead fish, you know, because that's the implication. And he's like, I hate how you're doing like that hand gesture. He's like, forget right. about it. So they have to talk about this cartoon character like he's a real human I and it's really hate, awkward. like the like all of us like for he's always like gesturing the crowd and saying some dumb phrase and he's yep. like like i don't know but he's like come on eh, or something yep. like just i don't know if it's like hyping up the crowd but his mannerisms and his entrance like everything he does just is stereotypical 100%. stupid and it pisses me but off But because it's italian sometimes somehow it's okay right hey, and it's, I, <laughs> and i've even heard people say they like it and uh, that they're big I fans remember, of it um, so um, i don't know and fresh off the boat, she was like, the, remember the teacher at the school? She was like, we have, like, like the, she said they had done the play without offending anyone, including our Italian right. families. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so we're getting a guy who we haven't seen much of in D'Angelo. He's basically had squash matches. And then Loomis, who I like more than you, but I wouldn't say that he's, like, a strong singles and competitor. And if you're going to pair someone with Tony D'Angelo... Dexter Lewis is at, like, the bottom of my list. Right. Should be a workhorse, you would think. But anyways, they needed somebody to maybe take a pin. Let's see. Uh, we get some really basic stuff by both to start, other than a decent belly-to-belly by D'Angelo. We get a, the silence is put on momentarily. Right, but... and that was, sorry, another complaint um, from us, is that, like, he's supposed to be this amateur wrestler, and he doesn't really... There's very little. ...do a lot of that. And another thing for me, he looks like he's wearing freaking pajama pants or something. Like He's wearing, like, a velour tracksuit. Right, and then just the white tank top. Like, it, it looks so stupid. Like, even if that is a stereotype, but, like, that, that's fine if that's your dumbass promo gear, but, like... <laughs> wrestling in that is so stupid his like, whole presentation like is, is garbage i hate me. his ring gear it's one of my least favorites um we get d'angelo slides there the, uh, so i guess loomis brought down paintings right and they're set up at ringside on an easel i and, don't know why and so but... he slides the easel from loomis's painting into the ring the ref goes to get it and send it back out and d'angelo uses that opportunity to hit a thumb to the eye and a swinging neck breaker, and D'Angelo pins oh, Dexter right, his Loomis. Finisher thing. Right, in three minutes. Um, so Trick wow, Williams. Iron Man match. Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes then attack Loomis afterwards. They put a chair on Loomis's arm and stomp on it, and Johnny Gargano has to run out to make the save. Go ahead, talk about this. I just like to say every move that Trick Williams hits looks stupid. He's not he is not helping Carmelo Hayes. At Who's all, it? but anyway, he adds nothing on the mic. I hate him in the ring. I hate him. I hate him. In He's everything. one of the like greenest of the green projects they have. It feels like to I me. would say it maybe it was but him he's on, on Beef, TV every week. Be fab, or she's gone, but Electra Lopez, maybe. Um, yeah, D'Angelo's definitely in there. Uh, I'm not sure about Zion Quinn, but yeah, me either. Um, a short yet crappy match to start the show between two incredibly boring and ring talents, one of which is super boring, and one of which is offensive and stupid. <laughs> Um, D'Angelo's character <laughs> mannerisms are just so stupid and stereotypical. Of course he won because he's a new guy and Loomis is a veteran. I mean, I don't like Loomis, but I, I'd rather him than D'Angelo. Because, like, I don't like Loomis, but he doesn't really do much. Whereas D'Angelo, I actively hate him now because right. he's just annoying and actively stupid. Actively hate him, nice. Like, it's just, he's just awful. Yep, he's bad. Uh, Loomis is boring and offered nothing, but, like, I don't know. 
he can do stuff and <laughs> D'Angelo can't do much stuff, I guess. <laughs> the vocabulary on this boy. Um, the aftermath was lame. It was, I, I just don't Well, care. I have some questions about the aftermath when okay. we get there. So the match wasn't good. There's nope. only two or three things that weren't super basic moves. I think this what, really... What can you really accomplish in three minutes that's anything good? And this, I think it hurts Loomis, right? Because he hasn't been presented as a jobber before. And now he's losing to a brand new guy in three minutes. Clean. Well, kind of clean. Uh, he took a thumb to the eye, right, but whatever. And, like, as far as dirty finishes to go, that's not even the like a, the best one right. to use. He didn't take a... Loomis, I'm talking about at this point, didn't yep. take a ton of damage. Really short match. And then a thumb to an eye and a neck breaker that's like a transitional move for a lot of people. Pins Loomis. Uh, the beatdown, whatever. But are we to believe... <laughs> I love asking that. It's my favorite thing to say. Are we to believe... Are we to believe... <laughs> that Johnny Gargano wasn't watching his son-in-law's match or he was watching and let him get beat down for a little bit. Before. <laughs> this is his son-in-law, as he calls it, right? So he allows the beat down to happen. Was he, like, busy? Right? He doesn't watch was his he family. Catering? He doesn't watch his family members' matches. Was he, like, super far in the back? Was he on his way to the arena? Because we know navigating the parking addict? lot is dangerous. Oh, right? that's true. Even if no one's trying to attack you, like, you know, he's the one actually who started all the parking lot danger, remember? Right. Um, when That's Alistair true. Black had the groinal injury. True. It was revealed. Um, yeah, so it, it's all Johnny Gargano's fault that the parking lot is such a dangerous place. So just the idea that he allows his son-in-law to start or to, what, to whatever lose. whatever it is, it just doesn't make to sense. To lose the match and get beat down before you run down <laughs> is a bit of right. a glitch. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. I, I try not to pay attention to logic issues on the show, yeah. but... So Gargano then gets a chance to speak in the ring, and obviously he's mad at Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams for screwing with his family, and he challenges Hayes to come out. Another he, thing with what you were saying is, like, he should have known better. He right. should have expected he something. He could have even accompanied him to ringside, maybe? I don't know. That would If, I, if it were my son-in-law and he's dealing with a guy who's abducted someone and locked him in a trunk for a couple right. weeks and then you know you're feuding with um two heels threatened then. to kill him by giving him a dead fish like <laughs> all of these things would probably be hey man family member i'll come down with you to wait keep wouldn't an it eye be weirder you. if you gave him a live fish just because like no dead fish is a symbol it's an italian stereotype you might not be aware of it's like a mafia stereotype that oh. you're gonna sleep with the fishes because there was this idea that they basically hide bodies in bodies of water okay. and sink you that's... Like they'll tie cinder blocks to you and sink you in the middle of a lake or an ocean or whatever. Oh, so that was the sleep with the fishes. But anyway, that's nice. Gargano um, calls out Carmelo Hayes, but gets Pete Dunn instead. Dunn doesn't want Gargano. Weasel... I mean, that's a win-win. He doesn't want Gargano weaseling his way into a title opportunity. Uh, but then it's Hayes and Williams are kind of up in the balcony or something, right? So there's an interruption from there. Impacted it better. And, of course, Trick, just to endear himself further to us, goes straight to a short joke about the guys that are down there, so which stupid. very WWE thing which to do. Which, Hayes is also, like, of similar stature, so... But he is, you're right. And then Dunn fires back, interesting, he basically asks who Trick Williams is, which I appreciated. Yes. Gargano says it's the guy that carries Mello's bags, which I also kind of appreciated, so obviously Trick doesn't like that. Carmelo Hayes starts to brag about himself and whatever. Pete Dunn cuts him off, reminds... Carmelo Hayes, that Pete Dunne has in fact beaten him, which is a fair point. Hayes says they can both have their shot at the same time for the championship next week. And Dunne says, you missed last week. I don't know why I made that note. 
Oh, because he's like, Melo, don't miss. And he's oh, like, he missed thank last you. week. Yeah, thank you. Okay, I was like, what does that mean? Thank you. That's why you're here. Uh, you make sense of my notes. Gargano says that you don't want to miss their triple threat next week. What did you think of this little interaction? I think he missed the best line because Hayes was like, he's like, I'm new school and you guys are the old guys. And Dunn's like, mate, I'm the same age as you, basically. That's true. Which I thought was awesome because I honestly usually forget that now because, I mean... Uh, if you look at Dunn in the UK tournament, he looked pretty young. But like now, he's got like he's pretty much always got like a beard. He just looks older. But and not only you did... forget how because he, he started. He was in that. He was twenty in that tournament, yes. right? And Bate was nineteen. And so not like... only did he say I'm the same age as you, I think he finished it with, but I've already been wrestling for ten years. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That too. Which is a great line. You're yeah, right. Yeah, and he's just been wrestling longer, so I I I forget how young he is, like, which is good because then I mean if he's if he, he's stuck here for a while, like he then... is a veteran, but he's not old. He's right. he's young still, very right. young, which so, is why it's a shame he's trapped right. in this company. So this match is it's very appealing to me, me very too. interesting. I'm not sure how much time it'll get though, um, but it will force me at least watch next week. And mark my words, if Dunn wins the title, I will stick around Ooh. on the show until 2022. Ooh, okay. He, oh wow. And if he does not, I will actually stop watching this. I will actually quit because this show's already bad. If Dunn does not win anything, it this thing is rigged. Wow. And so if he did, if he loses, I quit. Yeah, I thought, I think that's so you're willing to give another month, at least, if Dunn wins. If Dunn wins, because then he is champion. Okay. So I thought other than Trick Williams' contribution, which is always bad, and I, <laughs> and in this case, it's double bad. It's his delivery and what it was written for him, right, wasn't good. Right. I thought everything else about this was good, and it sets up what you're saying, I agree, a really good match if they give it some time. Um, I'm not sure, the only issue I have is... Why is heel Carmelo Hayes so generous with title shots, right? That's not consistent with the character he's been... I guess he's just been... confident, I think. I like almost expect some sort of shenanigans. Like, he may have something planned. I don't know. I, I don't know, because, like, his theme literally starts with, I'm the greatest to ever do this. I guess. So, I don't know. I feel like it might just be a character thing, but I, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to complain. Yep. Um, we then get a recap of the Grimes-Duke-Hudson drama ahead Ugh. of their... I put match. Poker showdown. I put match tonight because at this point I was still hopeful Poker that it. Showdown. I know, but I thought. Okay. I was hopeful that it was some sort of match, and they would just have like poker how, things as weapons or something how dare you is a poker showdown uh, how, oh like a poker street fight right like how dare i expect wrestling on uh, a wrestling yeah how show? dare that's you? my own problem i mean that that that's doesn't me. exactly sound appealing either but <laughs> no, that sounds more of appealing. course not <laughs> it sounds better so we then have malcolm bivens he's speaking backstage he starts to hype his people in diamond mind when joe gacy interrupts him gacy uh. says he enjoys seeing a group of people unite under a common bond like the Diamond Mine. <laughs> Which, I mean, like, I don't know how that exactly applies to Diamond Mine specifically, because they're just like a bunch of, they're like a fighter group. Which, so, shouldn't Gacy, like, dislike them? It seems like they're shoehorning him into this. Right, because they're all about violence, and he is not. So, Bivens goes on to, to say that they have a tryout in a couple weeks, and Gacy can go, but I think he said there's a fee of, like, $837 or something like that, so... Um, why would what does gacy have in common with them what does he have to do with them like makes no sense gacy says that that's what he wanted to hear and diamond mine walk away so you know what i think part of me makes it think it's for harlan that's what i was just gonna say i think even then i don't even think harlan fits into this group either no when he says that's what i wanted to hear that there's an open tryout and you just have to pay to come i feel like that's who he's gonna bring to this Right, because right. I still don't understand. Like, I guess that makes more sense by default, but I don't think that Does makes Harland sense. Does Harland have any sort of 
amateur fighting background i don't know i don't know that seems to be diamond even if thing. he does i don't think his character or like just his look i don't i just don't think he fits i in. honestly don't know if we know enough about him yet i'm just that's what one of my based off that the fact that he's affiliated with gacy and just right. the way he looks like physically looks like just the the shaved head the weird beard the the best thing to me it almost feels like they're trying to present him as like a a convict or something you know what i mean is what the vibe yeah I and but... see then like if that is it i don't think that look uh fits with no them so that's why i was wondering is when is harland actually going to join gacy gacy and i i think that's where this might be going i mean we could be wrong um i and guess it leads... i don't really even have like a desire to see either harland or gacy in the group either no so I, it's maybe going to lead to a program with joining gacy to help out even the numbers like harlan joins gacy and we get a tag match and a whatever i, mean, I kind of already has but like i mean like he just hasn't been around I don't, it's it's all a confusing mess bivens being a heel and making money off a of diamond mine tryouts is something that i don't mind and oh, they could keep yeah going that, back make, to, right? that makes sense i kind of like that but yeah and i guess there's nothing wrong with this segment i just didn't think it was that great either it wasn't like actively bad but it wasn't amazing yeah that's fair um we then get an la night video about how he's a megastar he came to, here to NXT to be a champion, and he's not there, but he feels like he's the uncrowned champ. He then turns his attention to talking about Grayson Waller. He says Waller has things easy and is all over social media, but Knight doesn't need that trash. What did you think? Did you feel this was... I'm going to put this out I here. I make a note of it. I think this no. show, we're seeing a double turn. What do you mean? I think that this was LA Knight going babyface and i what? think grayson knight does not work as grayson waller later was definitely heelish and he feels healy like no matter what he does i think grayson waller's like super annoying in a good way if they present him as a i don't heel. think knight works as a babyface though i feel like that's what's happening here i'm not i'm not saying you're wrong and that it, it'll work but i, I don't felt... know i definitely see the mirror for the waller thing but i don't see knight turning to be babyface and how does he justify himself being the uncrowned champion or getting a title right shot? and because my thing was one he, he, done he lost to braun breaker on that first show Correct. and then i'm almost positive he champa pinned him too right so, so therefore dunn is the uncrowned champion if anything or dare i say von wagner so i i feel that this was less because he starts taking it previously he's been all about like i have money and expensive tastes and all i'm fan but this was like i'm taking off my watch and i'm taking off all my expensive stuff and i'm just a regular guy i'm the uncrowned champion but that's I, not necessarily a beef it's thing not but just looking at how they present waller later i'm looking back at this and going is this them doing a double turn maybe not well eh. but anyway so we'll but talk yeah they don't it. do anything well we then get our next match which is grown jacket time <laughs> even just saying the name is tough it's not good Gra jacket time and odyssey jones oh that's even worse are taken on the diamond mind diamond mine sorry oh my god i said it because on on a podcast i listen to i swear like 40 percent of them say diamond mind and it's now hard I, not to i don't know why now i've absorbed it somehow yeah. diamond mine they're mining diamonds um <laughs> so jiro diamonds in the rough oh wait diamonds in the rust hat so my summaries of matches are very quick now on NXT. I'm getting away from a lot of move-for-move move stuff because there Cause isn't it much. it is a waste of so time. So basically this match, Jiro is there to get beaten on. Uh, Odyssey Jones is there to hit a couple basic moves at a time and tag out. We did get a nice hot tag in the middle of this from Kushida, I thought. And the sequences between Kushida and Strong were actually pretty good. Um, Jones actually took an angle slam and that may, uh, had to have the pin broken up. So that's about the weakest Odyssey Jones has looked, right? He actually took a move and had, didn't like 
powerhouse kick out on his own. He had to get someone to break it up. So then we get strikes by Jiro and Kishida and a running cross body by Jones. He pins Roderick Strong after about eight and a half minutes. What it's did you a, think? It's like a standing splash. Yes, basically. Which is lame. Yes. No, he it was like a crossbody. Oh, it was a crossbody. That's yeah, what I meant. It was kind of like the divide or whatever that Killian Dane used to Except do. Killian Dane did it better. Did it better of course. Also didn't finish matches with it. Right. Um, this is very basic and boring, and of course they booked their cruiserweight champion to lose to a running crossbody from uh Jones. Right? Which, I mean, he is big. That was my first note of all the people that could take the pin in this match. You decide to go with the cruiserweight champion, right? That just, I don't know, man. I don't know what they're doing. Um, but on a serious note, he offers nothing. And he really can't do anything interesting in the ring. Like, they touted him as, like, big man with surprising athleticism. Nope. I was like, oh, cool. Keith Lee kind of guy. Nope. He could not be the more opposite to Keith Lee other than the fact that they're both big. Jack and Time would be a great tag team if they weren't presented as complete idiots. They're just the comedy tag I, team now. I know how Jiro's character is, but they could try to make them more legit because there is potential in that tag team. I like both of them. I think they're both good in the ring. I think they could have some good chemistry, but they're just presented as complete comic relief doofuses, yep. so it just doesn't work. Agree. And so not great. you have the only champion involved in this match, pinned clean by a rookie, of course. I thought the match was just okay. It got a ton of time by NXT standards going over eight minutes. Jiro was asked to do nothing other than sell, right? Did he even get his jacket punch spots? Uh, I think he got one. Right? Uh, the creeds were also less notice- noticeable than usual because I generally like them, right? I think they look pretty strong, but I, they didn't stand out in this match to me at all. Jones still looks like a guy who's learning the basics of wrestling, all the while being booked like to look dominant, right? So you don't really know how to wrestle, but we're going to keep you looking dominant anyways, and it kind of makes everybody else involved look bad um, when that's the case. This match did nothing for Diamond Mine, and I actually thought they had sort of picked up some momentum along the way a little bit. Uh, And it's this idea that they're this cohesive team that train together all the time, yet they're beaten decisively by a quickly thrown together team, right? Right. Led by a rookie. So I don't know. If you sort of pull back and look at it that way, it's not good for Diamond Mine. It is not. Grizzled Young Veterans are on the phone. Oh, I hate this so much. Like on a FaceTime call or something. With Gibson's Nan. And they're pretending to be the NXT Tag Team Champions as they are using Toxic Attraction's belts as they're FaceTiming. So Gibson says something about this helping him get his inheritance. So we're now wedging that storyline in here. Just tell us, right? Don't walk... I I don't know. And they leave to go return the belts to Toxic Attraction. What did you think? These poor guys, they just made them look so stupid. This is so now they're just like idiots who are yep. like now they really came across as losers here. Yes, they're they are now it take it's taken two weeks, but they've now broken down the grizzled young veterans to like a joke of a comedy thing now as well. I guess everything's comedy. So stupid. Everything is like mm. has at least this side of comedy to it, and it's really really irritating. So yeah, they've like two weeks. It's taken them to make these guys look like a total joke. I can't think of any other established act that has been more hurt by the shift in 2.0 because I really liked these guys before this. And they even did have a hint of comedy even then, right? Like there was something about them, but now it's being just pushed too far and they're made to look like idiots uh, based on these last couple weeks. Just terrible ideas from the creative team. I feel bad for the Grizzled Young Veterans. This was a bad segment. Maybe not as bad as last week's, but still really bad. Yeah, this is awful. Andre Chase then makes his way to the ring for his next match. 
but then we cut Speaking to... Speaking of awful. Yeah, MSK are at the airport waiting for whoever gave them their name, right? It's still this, we need to find out the origin story for the MSK name, and they assume that people care about this. I don't, and especially after we see how they make these segments. But anyways... There's some sort of thinly veiled joke about how they got their drugs past security, right? I don't know if you picked up on that. It was the whole, right. like, their supplies. Anytime they're talking about supplies, they're talking about drugs. Um, so then Wesley talks about getting a whole bunch of free upgrades or whatever, but it ends up that he's taking a different fli flight from Carter, and so Carter is annoyed by this. I don't know why that became something, that they're on separate flights. But anyways, they meet... I don't know meet, why they would do that, but... They meet up wherever they're going, which I don't think they tell us even, right? So they arrive at whatever destination in the airport. So they meet up um, and they behave like idiots. They're hugging and whatever else, just overacting and behaving like human beings don't behave. And it makes me cringe. So you've got them right. in a normal everyday setting of an airport behaving as no human being has ever behaved, right? So <laughs> That's again, <laughs> behaving as no human has ever behaved. Again, it's this everything's comedy, everything's a well cartoon. Done. This is not for me. I'm a grown adult. I feel like they're not looking to... I don't like this either. So this was so bad that I was getting angry at this, and I'm not even a staunch lover of MSK, right? Like, I enjoy some of their matches. Their character work's never been very good. This doesn't help. These guys can't act, and the tone of this is just awkward. I don't know what I'm supposed to be getting from this. Add to the fact that this they're now calling it a shaman, right, that they're going to meet. I don't care. <laughs> What's the payoff that's going to be here that I'm going to care about? We are going to find out what their name stands for, or are we even? I don't, I don't know. So it's not interesting at all. It's now spanned three weeks of TV, and who is this for, right? So I don't know what your reaction was. Sorry, I went into uh, mine right there. I don't imagine you This is incredibly dumb and made no sense. It had no purpose like the previous segment, and it sucked. He didn't even give me much time to sip my coffee with that succinct criticism, but you're yes. not wrong. So then we go back to what was supposed to be next, but is never next, because WWE doesn't know what next means. So now it's Andre <laughs> Chase taking on Zion Quinn. So Chase actually gets some offense in here, but a lot of it was like a million stomps in a row that was kind of annoying, but it might be another one of those like Zion Quinn's not ready to take any offense because he's super green, right? Um, uh -huh. he I, does sorry, I don't suck. like using the word green. Oh, I, I just did. mean inexperienced. I did um, did mention though, Quinn's team sucks. <laughs> I don't even remember. Um, I, the, the phrase at the beginning is really weird and then it's just generic genericness. So we get a modified Samoan drop and a jackhammer and Quinn wins in... in under three minutes. Three minutes. Damn. All right. They gave this one some extra time. Yeah. So Legato come out and attack Quinn after the match. And of course, Quinn being a brand new wrestler, he is able to fight off two of experienced tag team wrestlers on his own. I mean, yeah, Rollman does a... I think he, he's been an NXT jobber since, like, for as long as I can remember. He has. He's never been super pushed. I mean, like, I, until Legato, but I mean, like, he's been in NXT for as long as I can yep. remember. So... He fights off Legato until uh, Santos Escobar arrives, and then it's numbers game as he joins the attack. So they hold Quinn, as I, my words are, the new leader of Legato, <laughs> Electra Lopez, right? And she's, like, dressed in, like, this, like, it's, I think it's, it was black, but, like, just, like, the most, like, whatever clothing to make her look like, oh, she's so hot. Right. And she's wearing, like, heels to make her look taller, too. Am I wrong? Is she not presented as the leader of this that faction? That makes me sad, because she's literally jobber. Right. 
Um, so she gets in Quinn's face. And her name sucks. I would tells like to say. him that no one says no to her, and then they just sort of leave Quinn lying. Thoughts? No, they slammed him down on like steel grating. Yeah, or sorry, I'm leaving out details because who cares at this point? <laughs> I'm really getting succinct in my NXT, <laughs> which is kind of why I don't mind covering it because I've just sort of given up and but like you're not trying. I'm I not trying. get bored because I keep seeing the same things about the matches pretty much. That is like, true. There's not much the, you can say. And then the segments, they usually vary, but then they just make my brain hurt. Um, a met enhancement match. At least Quinn's moved on from that done running. Dumb running forearm finisher. Although Jackhammer isn't exactly original or interesting. I didn't care for the Legato stuff whatsoever because it's all dumb. And I said that before I'd even seen it. Because um, we paused, I think, at this right. just before and the attack. And you can just fill in your notes. Right. And then after watching it, I decided to add in a bit, um, which was Electra Lopez sucks. She's not great. Um, I think, again, this is another example of a guy being so limited in the ring that he can't take any sophisticated offense. So then his opponent ends up looking weaker, right? I've seen um, Andre Chase wrestle as Harlem Bravado numerous times on the indies, and he knows how to wrestle. He's an experienced wrestler. I think He's his not gimmick has a bit of potential, but they just haven't like done anything good with it. So either they're holding him back consciously to protect, quote-unquote, their preferred talent in Quinn, or Quinn isn't ready. Either way... It leads to a not very interesting match. So you got exactly what you expect here. And three experienced talents are basically now just minions for Electra Lopez. Santos Escobar, run. Just run away from NXT and never look back and go somewhere else because you're awesome, right? Like, I don't know. I need him out of there. I need Don out of there. I need Gargano out of there. And I need O'Reilly out of there. I would respect him at this point. With this company so likely to just release you at the drop of the hat, I would really respect somebody just walking away and going, deal with it, right? Like, you're either going to suspend me or release me or you're going to keep paying me, but I don't want to be involved in this anymore. If I have to live with the possibility of being fired for no apparent reason, right, in the middle of a storyline possibly, right, they don't care. Why does he... Anyways, they should. someone should just walk away and say, too bad, deal with it because i'd be really interested to see what right. happened but anyways we immediately i could see done maybe eventually like cause he's stuck there for at least three years this infuriated me too and made me feel like i was watching main roster wwe we immediately get a thorough replay of the beatdown we watched 30 <laughs> seconds ago what the heck man honestly that is true that did happen and then we get a- another tiny segment hyping up the poker showdown that is next Nope, it's not next. <laughs> of course it's not. Because Mackenzie <laughs> talks to Raquel Gonzalez next about her it's feud so bad. with Dakota Kai. Um, uh, I think this is bad too, if I'm remembering Gonzal- correctly. Gonzalez says the title had become a part no, of her. No, was the other one. And she took it everywhere with her. And it was one shovel shot and it was gone. And now she has to watch Mandy Rose walk around with her title. Which I agree is disgusting. Tonight is about revenge. And she wants Dakota Kai to bring that shovel because Gonzalez will bury her with it. See, um, my confusion was, is she going to bury her in a grave with the shovel laying next to her? Or is she going to use that shovel to bury Dakota Kai? Because... That I, I was unclear. She's going to dig, well, she could dig the grave with the shovel, put Kai and the shovel in, and then just kind of kick the dirt in. Ah, right? That seems okay. like the most efficient way to do it. Right, and then you're you're burying her with her shovel, and then using, you're burying her with her shovel to bury her with her right. shovel. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so you got all, all right. your bases covered. Right, okay. Yeah, what you think sense. of the actual promo? Um, I, th- I thought it was okay. I don't, 
I I didn't really care. I don't appreciate her burying someone because that's not very nice. I think she did a good job here, but I feel like every time she speaks now, it's basically like them going, we get that it doesn't make sense that she's just sort of given up on the championship, right? Because she is, according to WWE logic, getting a, gets a rematch pretty much, right? But it's kind of like, we know it's dumb that she's walked away from that, right. but we're going to remind you that she's going to go back to it because it doesn't really make sense that she's not. Um, but anyways... It's kind of like I'm going to pause and then go back to it when I'm done with Dakota is what it felt like to me. Because rivalries. We then move into what should be the highlight of every wrestling fan's life for sure. <laughs> Whether you're, uh, you know, what, a, a six-year wrestling fan like you or a 35-year wrestling fan like me. Because it's time we get <laughs> the poker showdown Hell yeah! between Duke Hudson and Cameron Grimes. Hell yeah, dude. Let's freaking go. And again, I am a huge poker fan. I am an Texas Hold'em aficionado. I have played a lot. I have studied a lot. I have read a dozen books on the subject. I watched a lot. I remember you used to watch like, watch a, lot a of ton. Poker I've, tr- like All Stars or whatever. It I've was. done math simulations. I've studied the math of Hold'em poker. So, anyways, um, so, so I this, remember um, you always watched like the poker tournaments or something, I and I was always bored out of my yep, mind. You were. So I should be a huge fan of this. It's combining two of my loves, which is wrestling and poker. But so I don't think that's even a good idea. <laughs> so they start out explaining concept. to us how Texas Hold'em works, but then they clearly don't know because there's not any, even, not to get to whatever, but there's no, there's no blinds in this. So meaning there's no forced bets before the action even starts, which is present in every game ever of Texas Hold'em, unless I missed that detail, but I'm pretty sure I didn't. So anyways, the poker showdown, much to my surprise, is not a match or anything else. It's just them sitting down to play poker. And in this case, one hand of poker is all it takes for everything that they need to happen to happen. Because that's how things work. So anyways, Duke, there's a lot of table talk here, as it's called in poker. He says that luck is They're wired with mics, which I thought looked really unnatural. Because they just look like they're talking normally. But then you can like hear it. Perfectly. Throughout the arena and whatnot. Like, which I just feel like looked really weird so duke says luck is for losers these are his cards his chips and he'll make grimes his bitch what does it matter if it's his cards is he implying like that's a good i'm the poker expert expert (laughs) so i I think grimes (laughs) says that hudson is sweating like shack at the free throw line which is pretty funny because shack was terrible at shooting free throws and Uh grimes reminds him that he won reminds duke that grimes won when they played two weeks ago and at this point i told you i was kind of noticing the crowd in the background as this is going on and almost nobody is looking at the ring there's people on their phone there's people turn talking <laughs> to the person next to them there's people just staring off into space so right. I, I don't think this is grabbing anyone's attention so long story short cameron grimes ends up bluffing i'm not going to talk about how this hand goes down but hudson who is the pro poker player reacts like the least professional poker player in the history of the world he reacts like the guy who's never played before and gets really mad when he gets unlucky like somebody who in theory has played tens of thousands of hands as i i personally have you start to just roll with the bad beats like this right because you understand that this is what's called variance not to get into probabilities and math too much shout out to you ready if you're listening right now my math consultant but like this isn't how it works. You play enough, you start to understand that that's just variance, right? And that it's all going to come back around and you just need to stay calm and keep playing. But Hudson is a hothead, I guess is the point. Um, so then he gets angry, ends up attacking Grimes and hitting what I thought was the highlight of the segment. He power 
bombs grimes through the poker table so the chips and cards and everything fly everywhere which i thought was a um, pretty cool visual and then he goes and he gets scissors from under the ring and he starts cutting grimes hair and beard and then grimes is just sort of left seething on the mat as the segment ends so what did you think of this amazing segment uh this is dumb uh no wrestling (laughs) fan wants to watch a poker game even if they like poker like you they would just you just watch an actual poker game like with people who are good at it and like i don't know like this is boring and i already find poker boring to watch so combining with nxt 2.0 and the garbage crap these guys have to spew out of their mouths um and you had the perfect recipe for a boring disaster the finish was meh not surprising at all the attack from hudson was also not surprising and i still don't care yeah it and it's just so contrived when you play one hand and you get exactly what you want right because hudson started it with the best hand had the best hand on the flop and then basically the board ran out scary for him and grimes shoved all in and hudson made the correct fold because he can't call in that spot right there any um there were four hearts on the board so any heart in grimes hand and he loses right so anyways um I think NXT just have a low opinion of their fans that they thought this would be entertaining, right? And that's kind of how I feel this show is now a reflection that they just think either they think their fans aren't very smart or they don't care, whatever they it is. They always think that. The only positive is that the poker only lasted one hand. I guess they got it over with as unrealistic and contrived as that makes this whole thing. Hudson reacted again as though he'd never played poker before. Um, and exactly the opposite how a good professional poker player would take a loss like this. The spot through the table looked pretty cool, if I'm being positive. Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly are then talking in the locker room. O'Reilly says he saw Von on SmackDown, but he's not worried about that or their recent loss to Legato. Von, just in like an Oscar-caliber performance here, says that he ain't worried about that and they should go handle business. Uh, this was lame. O'Reilly isn't the best on the mic, and the lines he got were crap, and Wagner's awful, too. He just sounds so cardboard and unauthentic. Unbelievable. He just sounds so You went boring. cardboard, I went wooden, but I think we wooden. mean the That's same thing. Wooden, that's what I meant, whatever. Yeah. No, I have cardboard's um, fine, too. Like, he is taking a beginner's acting class or something. Like, this team sucks, and yeah. I am so sad for O'Reilly. Poor Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, Wagner is consistently the worst. I think he's the worst person on the mic that I've heard in a long time, he just could not sound less natural if he tried. Like, if you said, hey, Von Wagner, I want you to sound like you're the world's worst actor, I don't know if I'd know the difference between him trying to <laughs> right. act really well and trying to act really badly. Right. Um, and yeah, I just feel bad for O'Reilly at this point, and I'm hoping he's counting the days too, because is it not his contract is up as well shortly? Uh, yeah, I, believe. I think so. Um, so then we get Briggs and Jensen, they're sort of already in the ring, just finishing their entrance, it looks like. They're taking on Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner here. So Jensen is wearing a homemade t-shirt at this point, right? Which was cool. Not really, but anyways. Uh, What was it? Um... He just had... What did he have on it even? I don't remember. But it was like a white t-shirt with just like marker on it, I think, basically. I don't remember. Uh, Anyways. Um, So, (laughs) sorry, sarcastic note alert. Young rookie Kyle O'Reilly enters with his mentor, Von Wagner, (laughs) whose theme is now the one featured. So... O'Reilly right. comes out, you get a little bit of his theme, and then it gets cut off because right. we gotta make I way. I liked O'Reilly's theme, so I was disappointed when Wagner's theme cut it off. And then his theme is so generic, I forgot how generic it was because I just couldn't remember the sound. Um, I just knew it was dumb and generic like him, so it, it was so 
bad. Wagner is clearly the featured star of this partnership, right? As ridiculous as that is to even say out loud, that is the presentation we're getting. So they <laughs> remember this part. They cut to fans. Remember what were the fans doing? <laughs> oh, right. They were doing the undisputed era gesture. They cut to a couple guys up in the crowd doing the undisputed era hand gesture. So they quickly, like, whoops, cut away from that because you can't have I respect that. those guys. No, that was that was one of the highlights of the show for me, as, honestly. Uh, so anyways, Kyle gets some kicks in before Briggs and Jensen dominate him and pose on the floor a little bit. Imperium are shown backstage watching the match with their tag team championships. So the big men then tag in, and obviously Von Wagner's going to get the upper hand here. We get kicks and headbutts by the baby faces to Briggs in the corner a bit later. Kyle comes in, but of course he gets dominated until he tags in Wagner, who does what he does and dominates with a suplex and a flatliner. O'Reilly hits a running knee off the apron, and that takes out Josh Briggs. And that allows big ol' Von Wagner to hit his double underhook twisting slam thingamajig in... That looks awful. ...just about five minutes. So then, through some subtitles backstage, Bartell says that Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly are improving but are still not at Imperium's level, but they add that nobody's on their level, and teams have a better chance of getting a job working security than beating them for the titles, which, yeah, wouldn't you think that's the case? Probably? I don't know. Is security, like, a difficult job? Yeah, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't know. Well, at NXT, it might be. The parking lot, the backstage area, it's all very that's violent true, places. That's true, that's true, that's uh, true. What did you think of this? Uh, boring and formulaic match. O'Reilly just gets, gets to me to look like a chump each time, and then Wagner's supposed to look good. But he just looks mediocre and generic, despite always getting the prime offense. Yep. Um, I don't like this team. I don't care about this team. And this makes me want O'Reilly to go to AW even more. Because then... Even if he doesn't, like, go back to being a single star, he could at least be in a good tag team, nay, a great tag team. <laughs> right. Uh, it's funny that you use the word formulaic, because my notes are, here's the formula. Kyle tags in, gets dominated, Wagner tags in, cleans house with really basic offense, repeat, right? I would even go to say extremely basic offense. Kyle O'Reilly must be counting the days until his contract is done. He must sit there and watch Adam Cole and Bobby Fish on Dynamite every Wednesday and cry. Because I wouldn't blame him one bit. Right. This match was... Especially because they just teamed together on Rampage too. Must have been watching that. This match was incredibly basic, offered nothing. We are watching training matches, so this is what you get, right? You have to accept you're not getting talented wrestlers wrestling. You might get one match in two hours everything else is people learning on the job and they're expecting you to watch it and enjoy it and it's starting to get insulting um so persia parada and indy hartwell are backstage indy is obviously very worried about her husband since he's going to be checked out where at a hospital no a medical facility facility. cannot say hospital persia says wait what did you say sorry i don't know hospital what is that it's Uh, a medical facility yes A local medical facility, perhaps? Persia tells Indy, don't worry, I've got this, regarding their match. So it looks like it's going to become a handicap match, because she tells Indy to go be there for her man. Which I don't really see the point of her being there, but like... I said this was fine, too short to be anything, ready to move on. Yep. Yep. It's time for another episode of Lashing Out with Lash Legend. I get excited for these. This is my least favorite thing. (laughs) But it's... It's this twisted thing where I always am like, yes, Lash LaRue, because it's going to be so bad. Lash LaRue. <laughs> Sorry, I, that one wasn't even intentional. <laughs> Usually when I do that, it's as a joke, but now I've like joked myself right into 
thinking that that's well, who this and is. And because her name does not matter whatsoever. She um, does not matter. So she says, this is Lash, that she needs to address the elephant in the room, and that is Kaylee Ray interrupting toxic attraction Is that even the elephant in the room? Is there it, even an it, elephant in the room? She says Kaylee Ray needs to recognize that there's three of them and one of her. And then Grayson Waller... I'm pretty Waller, sure she can do the most basic math known to man. Because Lash LaRue's segments can't focus on anything for longer than 40 seconds, <laughs> right? Uh, I would say 10. Maybe even 40 might honestly be generous. That's No, it is. Yeah. It definitely is. So Grayson Waller comes in to interrupt. He says he has some tea to spill, which, which is a phrase that could just go away right, right. now. Right, and what he did wasn't really spilling any tea. Either. That's like, I feel like... A term for, like, gossip or something, That's, right? I was just going to ask you, young person, is that not, like, for revealing some hot gossip? Right, which he did not do. It's no. just he was ranting. Right. So, um, he says, basically, that Ellie Knight claims that Waller never paid his dues, and then he goes on to say why, because he didn't drive 500 miles to a high school gym to compete. All, all, he says all he did was he survived on reality TV, put out a video, and WWE came calling him right he says this industry isn't about wins and losses anymore i've noticed you know like no kidding and it's about 50 50 book it's and about baby. likes and tweets the game has changed and it's his now waller leaves and lash says the tea has been spilled what'd you think i hope it's hot tea and i hope it spills on her face oh that's not nice I think she has potential. I think what they're asking her to do I is do ridiculous. I do not think she has potential. I think she has some charisma and she can uh, speak. I don't know what to say. These segments are just so mind-numbing. No, she cannot. <laughs> um, the Waller stuff was kind of... Because I feel like like the stuff he was saying about like the how the veterans don't matter and whatever, like, I feel like that's their actual mentality or something. Is, like, it, it is. He's sort of... I mean, I like the whole paying your dues thing because that's like... I feel like that's true like it that's not really how it but has to work this, anymore this is what i'm saying doesn't this feel heel turny by waller or i don't know maybe it's just like because uh, knight is such a mega heel maybe it's just like rejecting like i don't know because he's basically going, i can see that coming off as likable too though because waller's for me waller's basically going screw paying your dues i'm a kid of the digital age i was just a star on a reality show and i got noticed too bad or i'm i don't, I don't know think that's I, baby I, it face. could be heel but i i feel like it could also be like this it's just like the new way and he's like rejecting the stubborn heel or whatever i don't know it, it could be heel but could I, don't, be the whole I don't think it has to be millennial heel. versus boomer right like right which i could see them could, that's so such a so wwe that, thing to do and that would make waller the face that's such right. a wwe thing it to is. do actually yeah so who but knows? i i don't really love any are, of this i'm okay with waller's heel we, i what he can do whatever are we intrigued then because we're talking about it a lot oh no uh, move on move on move on <laughs> but anyways yeah so i I kind of liked what Waller had to say. What, where they're going with it, I don't know. It's basically like... And I don't even really care. Like, you older generation, you whine about the young kids not paying their dues. So it's this thing that bugs me about older people, too. Why, because you suffered to get to a certain place, do you want other people to suffer the same? Why can't you, as a human being, go, I really wish it was easier for you to be successful? I understand that I had to suffer to get here, but as a member of the human race, I would rather other people not suffer, right? But that's so I kind of like that that's how he's pointing it out. Like, sure, I took an Which, easier route right, to get here. Right, and I don't here. think that's necessarily like that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel not, like that that doesn't have to be healed. You're right. It's like he's like kind of, I don't know if it's like standing up for his generation or like talking down to the stubborn boomers or whatever, right. but like 
I don't know. I think it works either way. You can definitely take it in either direction. Like this idea that suffering is a rite of passage, right? Like, why not just hope other humans don't suffer as if much you as suffer, you suffer, good for you, but... Anyways, um, so I'm not sure if this is baby face or heel, but I am kind of liked what he said here, and I'm interested to see where it goes. Trying to give NXT a little bit of positivity. We then go to Persia Parada in a handicap match, taking on Gabby Stevens and Jenna Levy, which I had to look up her name because they're, I don't even know if they were named or if it was on the screen for like a I nanosecond. I didn't even catch it. So Robert Stone has another new look, right? He's on the ramp looking very different. His hair is just blown out and looking crazy. Uh, so Persia, here's my uh, summary of this match. She wins in under two minutes with a fallaway slam to both opponents at once. And then she hits what I call the sit out face buster from a, I think a fireman's carry, right? So yeah, it's not a great move. To only one of them, but picks up the pinfall here. Persia then celebrates as Stone is just slow clapping on the ramp. Romantic storyline number 57. Or is, it, is it the... Anyways, what did you think of this? I'll, I'll give my thoughts in a second. Uh, I don't know. Either way, that thing goes, I don't like it. Uh, boring <laughs> short squash, I don't care. Uh, Robert Stone is pointless. Persia is strong. She wins squash match. She doesn't even like look like a powerhouse, honestly. I literally do not understand the whole powerhouse thing. We talked about it. She is larger than the average woman in WWE. So she's a she is a strong woman for sure. But I see what you're saying. Like she, It's not like she looks like China or Or like I don't know, Raquel is at least like actually yeah. like bigger. Like I don't know. She just doesn't come across as that for me and it just does not work. I'm wondering if she now has to deal with the curse of Robert Stone, right? Because think about everybody that's been in the Robert Stone brand. Let's list go ahead. Who's been uh, it? Let's Chelsea think of, Green. So how's that worked out? Gone. Injured, gone. <laughs> um Oh yeah, injured too, right, right away. And on gone. SmackDown, yeah. Uh Aaliyah. Uh she's used to Main roster Smackdown. but not doing anything. Uh Jessica Kamea. Gone. Oh yeah, she is gone. <laughs> Um, Frankie Monet gone. gone. Oh right, Frankie Monet. I for how did I forget? So I that's what I'm saying. Name. Like, do you really want to show and up? Why does he keep affiliating with women only? You want to I, show up to work and have them go. You're gonna be in segments with Robert Stone. No, no, <laughs> it's the curse. But it, and it, I like it is Robert a bit Stone. Of a curse, yeah. I saw the curse of the North American title too. Because think about how many of the champions are still there. Like Adam Cole's gone. Ricochet is on the main roster. Gargano is still there. Hopefully gone. Um, fingers crossed. Who beat him? Uh, Velveteen Dream is gone. Roderick Strong is still there. Keith Lee's gone. Escobar. Um, Priest is there. Um, then who'd be Priest? Escobar's oh, been Ricardo. usurped as uh, the leader of his faction. Right. Um, Leon Ruff is gone. True. Uh, Bronson Reed is gone. Swerve is gone, and then Hayes is nice. here. So like so a lot of them are stepping stone to a better place. I would actually want the title then. <laughs> I, I think curse is the wrong word. Well, I guess, like, in terms of saying WWE. Right, which is a blessing, not a curse. It's the blessing of the North American title. I guess. It's not a curse. If <laughs> right. it gets you yeah, out yeah. of NXT, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, Mackenzie's backstage with Dakota Kai. And why are they... I love Dakota Kai, and they... Anyways, well, <laughs> I can't even. We'll talk about it. Mackenzie asked Dakota about Raquel's comments. Kai suspiciously asked if Mackenzie is best friends with Raquel now. Kai implies she might hit Mackenzie with the shovel. Yeah! And adds that she's been get lost her. since she lost to Raquel Gonzalez. The only way to purge that is to get rid of her past by ending Raquel. Kai says Raquel. it all It all started at Halloween Havoc, but Toxic Attraction interrupt and say it all ends tonight. Kai says they, they'd like that, wouldn't they? And then she walks off and Grizzled Young Veterans walk in with the women's tag team titles. 
Uh, they say it was some other team that was using the titles as they chatted with their Nan. They give the titles Who back says Nan? to so, Toxic. Like, yeah, they give it back to Toxic Attraction, and they leave as grizzled young veterans think they got away with their little scheme. Which who cares if they didn't? But anyways, go ahead. Did you? Who think... cares if they didn't? Who cares if they did? Any thoughts on this segment? Uh, garbage. Even the way Mandy dresses and looks when she's just standing there is dumb. Like it's like she's wearing like the jeans. She's like got like jeans down or whatever. And Painted she's got, like, on. The... Like the she's got like the weird top and like just like trying to look like a hot girl as much as possible yes. and like just the way toxic attraction dress is just so stupid. Um, because the young veterans look super stupid. The interaction between toxic toxic attraction and Kai was dumb. This is all dumb. I hated all of it. I love Dakota Kai, but this crazy unhinged character she's doing, that I doesn't, think that doesn't work. I feel like it's just lazy, and I'm not enjoying it. It's I, not her. I get that some of the new characters are not working, but why do you have to change the characters of experienced, established people to look so ridiculous like Grizzled Young Veterans, MSK, Dakota Kai now? I don't, this is the type of stuff that I don't know if I can do this much longer because they're making her significantly worse. And maybe it's also on her because I find her presentation of the gimmick is just kind of over the top and not and not really interesting it at might all. It not even be her folks. Like, but, I don't know. I'm not sure what they're giving her. Right. Uh, for sure, what they're giving her is lazy, but I'm not really loving her performance either, and I, I love Dakota Kai, so I'm frustrated by this. Tommaso Ciampa now gets a chance to talk. He talks about how he's defended his title in the States and in the UK, and he's defended it with prestige. He says there's a lack of integrity, and you know what? Screw it. He's going to address it in the ring. Any thoughts on this little bit? Not even a little bit. Uh, so I thought this was a strange cha change because he's had nothing but like respectful praise for Braun Breaker over the last few weeks. And now all of a sudden he has issues with all the youngsters, right? Yeah. So where is that coming from? I don't know. Because Braun Breaker keeps whining. Again, I think they assume we have no attention span. And it, like they literally, other people have said, if it happened more than two weeks ago, it didn't happen, right? Because they think we're stupid. We're either not going to remember Unless or not going to care. it's a title change. Because then just, everyone has a title. Again, a reflection of how WWE execs view their fan base, and it's not flattering. They think we're stupid, basically, yes. is what I'm saying. Uh, so, they do. <laughs> this segment, man, uh, Casey Catanzaro and Caden oh, Carter are cool, hip ravers who go to concerts and just have fun. Um, they just love to have fun, which is the kiss of death. Like, I'm not <laughs> even summarizing, it's just showing them at concerts. So even in they like love to have fun and we're still in a pandemic and it's showing them at these overcrowded concerts where no one has masks on or anything. And maybe well, that I'm is being, how the U.S. works now. Maybe I'm being oversensitive. But anyways, so I don't know. What would you think of this? They're trying to give them some character, I guess, is the plus side. But Aiden Carter and Casey Canzaro, come on down to receive your brand new singular trait basic gimmick. Right. Yours will be have fun party girls. Concert Woo. girls. Yes. Enjoy. Yep. So that like, is... They're, Honestly, it's just the, this is the attempt to brand them with like a singular trait. One defining gimmick. characteristic for everyone, right? right exactly. You are concert people, right? Um, and the the whole tagline of they love to have fun. That's the kiss of death. There's two kisses of death. They love just loves to have fun and has all the tools. If they say those <laughs> either of those things about you, you're screwed. So, anyways, right. um, another cringeworthy segment of the 2.0 era for me. And I'm going to be fair, I appreciate them trying to give these two some depth character-wise because they don't really very often. Yeah, but, but the I don't way think they choose to do good... it is insulting again. Right. 
right? Um, yeah, because, this one did not work. Right. Uh, so Champa does now come to the ring to speak and elaborate on what he sort of said a couple minutes ago. He says he needs to vent because there are guys in the back like Mello, so we're talking about Carmelo Hayes, who tries to convince himself that he's actually holding on to the A title in this company. But he says, let's be real, Mello isn't going to take a shot at him because he'll miss and shoot an air ball. <laughs> then there's, quote, bitch ass Grayson Waller talking about how guys of his generation went around the country for a hot dog and a handshake, and there's something wrong with that. He says he'll tell Grayson, Grayson what he can do with his hot dog, which I'm not sure if that was like a homophobic, homophobic thing. I didn't really appreciate that, if that's the case. I'm not sure if I'm reading too much into it. Did not I appreciate. Don't, I don't know, but... Um, so here comes Braun Breaker to reply, obviously... Because he represents the youth of this company, I, I assume. The hot dog thing kind of reminds me. Of, we remember we were just watching The Office yesterday, and then, um, right, because Andy's not working there anymore, and then um, Dwight's like, "Jim, tell him where you can he can stick his grapes," and then Jim's like, "In the fridge." <laughs> uh, Braun says Tommaso Ciampa is out here calling out guys who have done the same thing he did to make it to the top. He bet it pissed Champa off that there's a new crop of guys here. but it, the, it pissed me off too. The only person he needs to worry about is Braun because he's going to run through Tommaso and take the championship. he's the poster boy. Champa just basically says, wow, that was powerful. He says he doesn't know how this works, but maybe there's a guy who can pull up footage of the end of Halloween Havoc. He calls for the footage of his beating breaker on that show. And he says it was one, two, three. He's no math major. And by the sounds of it, Braun isn't either. But he <laughs> says the way he sees it is Braun has less than a 33 and a third chance hearkening back to the Steiner math promo. Which I right? have seen a bit. It's pretty funny. So they just make infinite references to him being a Steiner, but won't like fully connect those dots. The world dumbest name. They ever. won't fully connect those dots for us, right? But they're making constant reference. Anyways, um, he has a 33 point. 33 and a third chance of taking the NXT title from him. He says at the end of the day, Braun's just a puppy and Champa is the NXT champion and Champa sort of walks away. Thoughts? They should call him the big bad booty puppy. As uh-huh. these two continue to orbit each other. Uh, yeah, I didn't love this. I, I Champa's promo is whatever and then uh, Braun Breaker is Braun Breaker. He is. So I, I, I love this. I really don't want another match between these two, but that seems to be what we're getting. It does. I thought Champa was fine. I thought Breaker sounded worse here than he usually does. I thought he kind of sounded nervous and a bit shaky. And I obviously, I, I haven't had too many issues with his. I don't think his promos have been amazing, but I also don't think he's been bad. Uh, it feels like we're I going. I think he's kind of sucked. It feels like we're going down a road we've already been down, right? We did this already, and Champa and won way too recently. So I don't. It's know. It's not even like they wanted to take a break from this. It's basically they're going to get the title on Braun Breaker pretty quickly, I think. And then I don't know what we do because it's going to be youth, youth, youth. If Braun Breaker is the NXT champion, I will quit because I, <laughs> I don't, I literally don't care if Pete Dunne wins the title because I, oh, then I still have to watch the 2022. Damn. Uh, mm. Hmm. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez taking Put myself on in a corner there. Dakota Kai in the main event this week. Uh, so Gonzalez starts out fast. After with, a lot of storyline development last week, yes. correct? Hard Irish whips and corner attacks from Gonzalez early. Kai keeps trying to get away, but Gons keeps following her out to the floor. She runs Dakota Kai into the barricade, rolls her back in the ring, press slam onto the apron by Gonzalez. Gonzalez then stays in control for a while, applies her like over-the-shoulder backbreaker before running Kai into yeah, the yeah. corner. 
Kai avoids, avoids sorry, a corner spear. Gonzalez runs into the post, and that sort of turns the tide in the match. We get a running boot after a drop toehold into the ropes by Dakota Kai. Then they both go up top, sort of take a little bit to set up there. Gonzalez falls chest first onto the top turnbuckle as Kai sort of falls down to the floor. And then a little bit later, we get a tree slam by Gonzalez to shift the momentum. Boots and strikes by Gonzalez. Kai then, as she's being pulled out of the corner, rips off the bottom turnbuckle pad as Gonzalez hits a fallaway slam and that, I don't know, I call it the Vader bomb elbow drop out of the corner. Yeah, I, Just, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. The move that killed Zaylee. Right. Roll-up attempts by Dakota Kai, but Gonzalez throws Kai as, as she's trying to hit a or apply a stretch muffler. Gonzalez gets sent into an exposed turnbuckle and Kai goes out and gets the shovel instead of trying to capitalize legally on Gonzalez running into the exposed turnbuckle. Right, GTK, corner boot, chiropractor, not, anything. Not great psychology, I don't think. We get a boot to the gut, and Gonzalez has the shovel now. She advances on Dakota Kai, but Toxic Attraction, because we can't have a finish in the main event at all, so Toxic Attraction attacked Gonzalez and beat her down. Do you know how long this was? No, I don't. Uh, actually cora jade comes down to make the save with her skateboard to make everything worse but she gets taken out by a mandy rose clothesline so zoe stark right? comes out on crutches eo follows takes one of the crutches and she uses it to take out the heels uh, cora jade ddt's somebody onto her skateboard at this point i was jc jane i'm pretty sure. sure i'm so sad that i remember that and the faces clear the ring and stand tall as eo yells war games which I was going to say it should be William Regal, but where the hell has he been? He's gone, I think. I don't know. Literally, I think he's dead. What would you think I of the main event? I honestly think he's dead. Everyone else just makes their own matches now. It's fine. Right. Uh, that's true. It's a uh, self-cleaning This oven. is okay, but these two, these two are capable of so much better. Um, the DQ finish was lame and stupid, and so was the aftermath. The announcement of the Wargames match was neither interesting or surprising. Um, this was one of the only potentially good things here, and they ruined this too with the finish. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so sad Dakota Kai will have the team of Toxic Attraction. That is legitimately depressing. <laughs> um, and I don't care about this. So I thought Gonzalez right off the bat did seem extra aggressive. She did a good job of portraying that considering the story they're trying to tell between her and Kai. So I thought that was good. And they were kind of on their way to what would probably be a pretty good match. And then we get an annoying non-finish to set up a War Games match that honestly could be an absolute disaster. And I'm... Uh, right, and I think that's partially evident in that ladder match from Halloween Havoc. Like, some of these people are super inexperienced. I mean, luckily this time you'll have, like, Kai, Gonzalez, and Shirai in there. But, like, these, if some of these people aren't even experienced enough to put on a decent ladder match... Why the hell would you put them in war game? JC Jane can't jump through the ropes to hit moves without seriously, like, almost looking like... There's been two. One, she looked like she really, really could have right. hurt herself. yeah, the suicide And guy. the other one was just more embarrassing when she was coming into the ring to hit something. Yeah. So I'm on... And I'm not even trying to be exaggerate or hyperbolic. I'm not sure if it's responsible of NXT to put some of these wrestlers in a war games match. Like... Especially, like, and not to even be whatever, but I feel like in these kinds of matches, the women are even more experienced than the men, just because I feel like, for whatever, like, they just don't have as much experience in these kinds of matches. I don't, for whatever reason, I'm just saying, like, that seems to be the case. Yes. 
So I think this could be like a dangerous, obviously EO and Kai are going to have to take a ton and I don't think it's worth it for them. At this point, EO Shirai's got to look around and go, am I going to be doing a moonsault off the top with a garbage can on my head? Right. Remember that? Like, or that was, not moonsault, but she, I don't know. Whatever mean. it was. She shouldn't be doing this for, for this product right now because she's not going to be a focus anymore. And if she, um, if they, if they don't properly catch her for whatever thing she's doing, like she's like... Then she's dead. Yep. So a non-finish of the only match that was somewhat interesting on this show. So that leads us to talking about your overall thoughts in a letter grade. Go ahead. Um, Another crappy show. I will only watch next because of the North American title match. And then probably, hopefully, never again. <laughs> um, There was nothing redeeming here. Um, I will definitely give it an F. F? Nice. Yet I described it as borderline unwatchable. I would yet, also describe it as barf. Yet another borderline unwatchable episode yep. of this show. They don't entertain me in the slightest. If anything, it makes me angry. There's always a couple segments and things that I just get angry about. The new stars aren't interesting. Again, and they're not good. Not mostly blaming the the stars themselves. It's what they're being given and the time they're being given. It, they're just being set up to fail, in my opinion. The veterans are being made to look like jokes as we as the weeks go past. Here, they're kind of tearing down any established star except for maybe Champa. And making them all, and maybe done at this point. And so he's far. probably the last veteran I want to see, like, not. Like, he's probably one of the less interesting veterans. Like, I was kind of disappointed when he won the title, not just because of Dunn, but just because, like, he feels like kind of a boring option, in and my I opinion. I feel like the he main. He's been interesting in years. I feel like main roster WWE's disrespect and disregard of tag teams is seeping in here, right? It's kind of there. It seems like the focus is Which make. Which didn't used to be the case no, at all. This was the one place in WWE where tag team wrestling actually happened. But now it feels like Vince I feel and like... his right hand people are like, tag team wrestling's a joke, so make them all a joke. Right. I feel like the two peak runs are probably 2016. When there was like American Alpha Arrival DIY, DIY and then yeah. and then another peak run was when Undisputed Era were tag champions. Yep. Honestly, like remember they had that match with uh, Birch and Lorcan. They had faced Mustache Mountain. Even AOP looked a really as a monster like, tag team. They, were solid, right? And like I don't know, just I think there were a couple peak years of tag teams in NXT, but then but generally they've done a really good job. Even like odd couple tag team like the Broserweights, yep. that was a good team, and I'm sad that didn't last too long. And like I don't know, we're speaking of the Broserweights. Is Timothy Thatcher dead? I don't know. I just remember that, like, he's not released, is he? I hope he is for his sake. It's yeah, weird but... to say that because I'm always the guy. I don't want anyone to lose their job, but. Because but, wasn't he part of a champ? How did I not notice that? Where the hell has Timothy Thatcher been? I don't know. Wow. Anyways, the matches are three minutes long or they don't have a clean finish on this episode. I'm going to be slightly nicer and give it a D minus. Like, this barely, barely passed. Pretty much borderline failure show for me as well was there uh my question to you was there a highlight on this show other than the two fans given the undisputed era hand gesture that, that was the highlight was there a highlight like if someone said what's one thing that was cool i'll say the power bomb through the poker table looks I cool i won't even say that because that just does not another matter. pretty gross episode of nxt but that will bring us away from nxt and into some trivia where i will quiz jack on a topic of my choosing in a segment we like to call Off the Top of His Head. So I went with some timely trivia this week. We're going with Survivor Series trivia. I consider this to be pretty the best challenging. best pay-per-view of all of time. All. I find this pretty challenging. I'm wondering if you will, because I don't know many of these. You find but... many things challenging. So let's start out in 1988. 
So that Survivor Series marked the first time a double turn ever happened during a WWF pay-per-view, which is still a rare occurrence to this day. Who was involved in the double turn? I can give you a hint if you want. Sure. It's tag. It involves tag teams. Our foundation. Two. No. Two kind of mm-hmm. similar tag teams, if you will. British Bulldogs. No. Think I'll give you a. The manager involved is Mr. Fuji. Okay. Uh, a demolition. And. Ooh. So basically, Damn. Mr. Fuji screwed over demolition. Oh, powers of pain. That's correct. So then he ended up in that moment. Powers of pain sort of sided with him, right? Um, before he made his debut at the 1990 Survivor Series, The Undertaker was originally billed under a slightly different name. Kane well, the Undertaker? Kane the Undertaker. Very good. I think I'd heard of that, but forgotten it. I, uh, I'd heard, I don't know where I've heard that, but I have. In what year did the first singles match occur at Survivor Series, and who was in the match? Uh, nine. 91 91 is correct what? i don't know why you know that i don't oh Who? oh undertaker vs hulk Hogan. it's correct wow that's impressive i just saw it on tv too nice um with the worst tombs and i i don't know why i i kind of guessed the year i figured it'd be around there and then nice work as soon as i knew it was that year i i knew it you it knew was. the match right who is the only wrestler to survive a traditional tag team elimination match in each of his first three survivor series shows he is also the only one to go undefeated at the event in the 1980s. Ander the Gate. Sorry? Ander the Gate. What does that mean? Ander the Gate. I don't even know what you're saying. Ander the Giant. No. Ander the Gate. No. Remember Goldberg's with the knockoff t-shirt? Oh, right. No, Ander I, the Gate. It is not him. Uh. Right, era, obviously. And it's not Hogan, who's always the answer to everything Warrior? in that area. Nope. One of my favorites of all time. Mr. Perfect. No. Yeah. Savage. Correct. Macho Man Randy Savage. In 1990, WWE tried something at Survivor Series that they would never do again involving the Survivors of the Night's matches. What did they try? Do you remember? Dance Party with the Gobbledy Googer? No. Oh. So basically, in 90, everybody that was a survivor of their matches, they did something. Battle Royal? Close. Uh, close. Uh, so you don't know, obviously. So there were three baby faces, five heels, survivors. They put them in a tag, another Survivor Series match. A handicap grand oh. finale bonus match to determine the ultimate survivor. Yeah, that's dumb. Yep. Yeah. Who is the only quote-unquote celebrity to appear in a traditional Survivor Series match? And the hint is it was in 1989. Think of. Zeus. Correct. I was going to say think of a popular film involving wrestling, but that is correct. He was quickly disqualified for refusing to let go of Hulk Hogan's neck and then attacking the referee because Zeus was beyond awful in the ring, so they had to get him out of there as quickly as possible. Who battled for the WWF Championship in the main event of the 1992 Survivor Series? And I have a hint if you need it. Uh, Bret Hart? And? Ric Flair. No. No? Oh. Bret Hart and... Shawn Michaels. Correct. I right. was going to say the hint okay, was... I, I knew he won it from Ric Flair. And the, oh, I saw on TV because I think Michaels was Intercontinental Champion. Right. He won that and he already had a shot at the WWE title. Mm-hmm. So, the start of a very friendly rivalry. It may come up again later. Come. There was an unusual championship match at the 1993 Survivor Series. What titles were on the line for this match? As a bonus, who was involved in it? 
Intercontinental? No. Tag team? It was tag team title match, but for weird championships, which titles were on the line? NWA tag titles? And who was in the match? Oh, wait, what? Really? Not quite NWA, but you're close. WCW? Or, I don't know. Even more obscure. Who were the... I don't know. So it was the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Championships. Oh, I knew that. Do you know who was in it? No. Heavenly Bodies and the Rock and Roll Express. I should have known that because I've heard that before. I I told you this one. I knew that. I feel like this one's hard. Only one Survivor Series has ever taken place outside of the U.S. What year was that? And I, my hint is think. Oh, 2016. You know, uh, sorry? 2016. No. What? No. My hint is think. You Didn't know you this. Did you say outside of the U.S.? Correct. That only, one was outside of the U.S. Sorry, only one. It might have been before that. Oh. They, they might, this. That one was outside the U.S. That was in Toronto. Right. But think. It was a historic one. Oh, right. So then the Nine, first one, we'll say. Correct. 97. Yeah. Sorry, I should have changed that to first because there's been one since wherever yeah. I got that question from. Which three championships are the only ones to be fought? This is hard. Should have saved it for the last one. The only championships to be fought for, but never change hands at Survivor Series. Two of the three no longer exist. That's your hint. European title? Correct. Is one. Hardcore title? It has never been on oh. the card, so you're close, but no. Okay, okay. Um, let me think. So one more that doesn't Wait, exist. Wait, heavyweight title? Nope. Mm. One from a defunct federation. WCW title? No. Close. Same time ECW period. Title? Correct. And then one title that still exists today, tag, I believe. Tag titles? Nope. Mm. Uh, intercontinental title? Lower. Cruiserweight title? Higher. In my opinion. U.S. title? Correct. You got there. There have been two Survivor Series shows that didn't feature a single traditional elimination tag match, which is funny. <laughs> Can you name the years? Oh, okay. Let me think. Okay, hint. One, they were too busy hosting a tournament. Oh, and so 98. Which was? Uh, like, what was the tournament they were the doing? The Deadly Game. Correct. Uh, for the W title. And the other, they had a whole bunch of other elimination matches, but not traditional Survivor Series. And it... 2002? Correct. Mm-hmm. So what was going on in that one? Uh, I know there's an elimination chamber match. I think that was the first one ever. Because I think we watched this too. Yeah. Um, uh, there's that three-way tag between the SmackDown right. 6. I think there was a couple tag team elimination elimination. matches. There was like a tables match or something. And remember? the first chamber match. Right. There was like some sort of a tables match. Because I remember the Dudleys reunited or whatever. Very good. I did not think you'd get that one. It was a bad night for the defending champions at Survivor Series 2002. How many titles changed hands? It was, in fact, the most in Survivor Series history. Okay, so I know the World Heavyweight title changed hands. Okay, there's I one. I know the tag titles changed hands. Two. The SmackDown tag ones. Um, WWE title also changed hands. Three. Um, You're right so far. But that's not all. I'll give you that much. I, don't, uh, I think the women's title changed hands, did it? Could be. Uh, I don't know. Four? Five. Five. You, mm. At least Four's... you remembered specifically some of them. Yeah. What Survivor Series match ended with no survivors, and can you explain how that happened? Oh, yes. Wait, no. Never mind. What that were one you ha- thinking? still had a sole survivor. So I think it was like 91 or something. Nope. Right, which was they just all got counted except for Flair. Nope, this one oh. had no survivors. Right. Somehow. Um... I, I'll tell you if you want a hint of the year. Sure. 96? Does that help? Doesn't sound like it. 
No, I don't know. Okay, so Farouk, Vader, <laughs> Razor Ramon, and Diesel fought Jimmy Superfly Snooka, Flash Funk, Savio Vega, and Yokozuna. What is to, the roster? To a no contest. After the eliminations of Vega and Ramon, all the remaining participants were disqualified when they refused to stop brawling. Oh, that's <laughs> such a weird roster, too. Why is Snooka there? That's so weird. Who is the least successful performer in traditional elimination tag matches? So it's obviously going to be someone that's been around forever. Triple H. Nope. Right Shawn Michaels. Nope. Think bigger, stature-wise. Undertaker. Very close. Kane. Correct. That loser, He's Kane. been defeated in all seven. Jim the Anvil, Neidhart, and JBL have lost six. Who is the only... I like this one. Who is the only performer to be eliminated from Survivor Series matches under four different names? And what were they? Godfather? Nope. That's a good guess, though. He's had lots of gimmicks. This Old guy Foley? was this guy was a main eventer at one point. Nope. Okay. Mm, he was a champion. He um, is a jerk. Ah, okay. And a bully. JBL. Correct. So what were the names? Uh, Blackjack Bradshaw. Correct. Justin Hawk Bradshaw. Correct. Um, Bradshaw. Correct. JBL. And, correct. Yes. Mm. Uh, who competed in the only mm. women's singles match at Survivor Series in the '90s? The entire decade, we got one. Oh. Um, Alundra Blaze? No. Really? Close to that. It was, she was, I think, the champion just before this. Hmm. Will Nakana? No. One who, who is now married to a big name in WWE Sable. and can't wrestle. Sable versus? Jacqueline. Correct. Very good. Who is the only performer to win an elimination tag match in at least three different decades? These are hard, right? No. Think bigger. Randy Orton. No. Bigger. Uh, Stature-wise. Undertaker. Bigger. Big show. Correct. What? That's 1999, he survived 4-1. to And then he won the WWE title later in the night. Yeah, something like Anyways, there's a whole bunch. So which WWE character debuted on the same SummerSlam, sorry, Survivor Series, because I've shortened it to SS in my questions, as The Undertaker? Gobbledygooker? <laughs> yes. Obviously. My hint was... He is. He was much less successful, <laughs> which is like the greatest understatement ever. <laughs> Undertaker's one of the greatest things they've ever had, and Gobbledygooker's one the of the Gobbledygooker worst. Gobbledygooker was awesome, okay? They should have done more right. with him. Last question. I don't know how hard it is. I usually like to stump you, but I just stopped here because I think it's hard the way it's phrased. In 2020, when Vincent Kennedy McMahon came out to honor The Undertaker for his 30 years uh, of Survivor Series... What did Vince say that he hasn't said in 18 years? You suck, Undertaker. No. Like oh. some phrase or... It's hard to even explain without giving it away. I don't know. But he used a Why term. Why I know that? Think about... So, okay, so what letters did he use that he hadn't used in 18 years? WWF. Correct, right? I didn't know how to say, like, because it's not a phrase... But and if I said like what initials, that would give it away, right? So yeah. he actually said WWF after eighteen years of not saying it. So mm-hmm. uh, did... I saw um they, there was like the the you know when Raw goes old school. Yeah. Uh, they did that. I saw one from twenty ten that was just on the channel. and They were able to use a WWF logo for some reason. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so you did okay on that one. I thought that was a pretty difficult one, but I like to challenge you every now and then. That's going to bring us back to talking about some more wrestling as we're going to look at a show that we actually enjoy watching, which is AEW Dynamite.
And we start the show with, oddly enough, just a quick backstage promo from the Elite. Um, yeah. Just Omega. In the and... in a stairwell, I think, right? Yeah. Because the sound quality was brutal. I think Omega Bucks and me. Cutler. Cole. Oh yeah, Cutler's filming. I think is the implication. I thought in the first one. Yeah, I think you're right. Because yeah, you're he's right. always. He's Around. the BTE cameraman. That's right. Um, basically, Omega says he hasn't rewatched the full gear match, but he's already been asked about a rematch. He says he lost, and they lost, and I, um, he says he's disgusted, um, but not because of Hangman winning. He actually kind of congratulates Hangman. Right. Which I found interesting. Um, he says he needs to make changes away from EW, and he asked the Bucks to hold down the fort. Um, I thought this was, I thought it was pretty solid. I thought it was kind of interesting, because Omega's like, I don't know if he's just like out of character. He's at least been quite humbled. That's like, what I said. I like he's that he's a changed man since losing the title. Or right? like, even if he isn't, he's just at least like been Paige humbled him really, yes, right? Exactly. So, whether this is like he was very modest here, he didn't insult Hangman or make excuses. So whether this is just him like actually changing his character, or like he's just kind of like this is just a way to get him some downtime. Yes, I think I feel I, like maybe it is. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a hiatus. Maybe he's wrestling somewhere else, but I heard he's like he's dealing with like shoulder issues, a lot of injury issues and whatnot. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is a hiatus, which he really does deserve more I than anyone. So too. But if he did end up in like New Japan or something, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I thought part of this too that was mm-hmm. interesting, right? Was when he says like uh, Cole steps up to say he'll hold things down while Omega's away, and Omega corrects him and says, "I was talking to the Bucks." So I thought that was interesting, right? That was a little bit of yeah. I did. I do think that might be a crack in the elite thing, right. but I also think it's like, and for me, it's also like the Bucks are technically EVPs and Cole is not. Yes, but you have to be aware that that's going to come across as rude to Cole, right? To just cut him off and be like, "I wasn't talking to you," kind of thing. I almost, also right? think it came off as rude because it should be Cole. He would but, do uh, a good job of it. So I liked it, even though it was really quick. Like I agree, I like that Omega seems a, a bit changed, right? There's definitely not that confidence and swagger that he's had. Right, for whether months. like how long the change goes, but and you wonder happens. if it's even like, and I may be reading too much into it. Has he started to doubt himself, and now Paige? And he and Paige are basically switching roles because now Paige has everyone that, likes Hangman has that confidence, right? And Omega kind of doesn't. So and I agree, he deserves a break. And I kind of am curious about that little interaction with Cole to see because that's something AEW is good at coming back to those moments later. And so right? now with that and the recent addition of Bobby Fish and the match on Rampage, right. my dream is that like maybe this starts the tension between Omega and um, Cole, and then maybe like with. And then, like, hope O'Reilly's not in NXT for too long. He comes in. They yep. reformed this a version of Undisputed Air. And with how the Bucks kind of acted at the end of the Full Gear main event, with Omega at least acting different here, maybe the Elite go back to the baby faces. Right. And then they feud with the um, uh, Undisputed Era or whatever they would would be called. Right. I think that would be a very pleasant fact. Yeah, there's feud. some possibilities. And it's not like... And it's not like, um, like a huge faction feud, like the Pinnacle and... Because that's like a big five on five thing. This would just be like some cool trios matches, singles matches, yeah. tag matches, and whatnot. And it's not like WWE where if they tease this Cole Omega thing, it would be like 
in full swing next week, probably done in or two Or completely inadvertent. Right? So AEW could wait for months and come back to this <laughs> as this being the first little thing. Like, they seem to I be doing with... I think the first with... step would be waiting out O'Reilly, perhaps. It kind of feels like um, they're doing with Wardlow and MJF, right? Where there's just every few weeks or months, there's like a tiny little nugget of tension Because most of the time I'm... <clears throat> most of the time MJF and Wardlow are perfectly fine right? yeah but then there's the odd little MJF's a little right. bit whatever to him and Wardlow gives him a look or whatever right or so like the one time something. Wardlow kind of let him get beat on for a, right. a bit but then like was like I'll go save him so I thought an interesting start to the show but I, I like the segment I, I like the yeah there's a lot of ways this can go I yep. think so that that's always cool right and they give you stuff to think about right which yep. is cool there's a lot of possibilities yep um next we get the hangman page celebration um john silver says national cowboy stuff day yeah and he introduces hangman page um nice reaction and a lot of you deserve a chance and then hangman stops and says he earned it which my is note almost is almost the same thing deserved it and earned it aren't opposites hangman <laughs> but i get what you're trying to say right because right. i think the crowd would argue we're saying you deserved it because you earned it, right? So right. him making that distinction. And he earned it because he deserves it. So making that distinction didn't really make sense to me, but you get what he's trying to say. Yeah. Um, he says he's usually more reserved, but now he's a champ, so he'll do whatever he wants. He says he's still just a man with a job with the boss, which is the fans, and he says he would love to celebrate National Cowboy Stuff Day. Um, he says he knows the title carries a lot of responsibility. He knows that the first is Brian Danielson, who takes that as his cue to come out. Right. Like almost immediately. Yep. I I, I will say I'm uh, less opposed to his theme. It's that's yeah. The more it, it suits you, the him, more you can I hear find. it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Brian says he came up to say one thing. He congratulates Hangman. He says he's super excited to face Hangman for the title, but a little disappointed it isn't Kenny. And then, Ooh, <laughs> which I fired. thought that was a nice yeah, shot. Um, but then Hangman came back with a nice one, saying that it isn't Kenny because he beat him and he did it in less than thirty minutes. Nice, which also, I thought was a sick cause, burn because Brian went to a draw with <laughs> right. in thirty minutes with Omega. Um, Brian says he didn't come to start beef and he came to kick ass. He says cowboy crap doesn't involve wrestling because he wrestles every week while hangman flaps his gums which Ooh. i mean i guess i know what he's saying because he hasn't really been wrestling but no. i also don't think he's like necessarily like no but through brian's <coughs> newly found heel logic right he's wrestling every week and page is not so i think that's all he's saying mm-hmm. he says he wrestled the next night after he won the title wrestlemania right Ooh, he said wrestlemania officially reference yep um, and obviously Virginia boos hard work as he is getting booed, which I find really odd. It was like, interesting. Unless here. he goes full in on heel, I've never really seen him get booed. Like only eco friendly Dana Bryan, right? That's right. Yep. Um, Hangman suggests they do it right now. Brian says Hangman has a lot of excuses for why he wasn't ready, and he doesn't want to beat Hangman and make and him make excuses. Dark Order keep Hangman and Brian apart, and Brian says, of course the Dark Order would stop because Hangman doesn't actually want to fight him right now. As a crowd chance, let them fight. Brian says the Dark Order wouldn't let him because they know he would kick Hangman's ass. Yeah, so that I like the callback to the fans being the boss, which is just a major babyface thing to say, right? The crowd loves Hangman for sure. I like the shots fired between Brian and Paige. I thought they were awesome. And Danielson embracing this heel role or tweener role, or I don't know what it is yet. This but is the, the newfound aggression. We I could thought say. he did a, a great job with it. Um, so I'm wondering if it's just for this match or is this his yeah, new nice. persona going forward? So I thought a great segment. And they built uh, the title match 
between these two in like a few minutes, right? Like this makes me more interested because I now have a clear dynamic. This is already an appealing match just without anything. And then Brian going a little more heel actually helps for me. Absolutely, because Paige is obviously the clear baby face. And they also made the Uno-Brian match that's coming up next a little bit more interesting too because Brian yeah. is now kind of working as a heel. So, I mean, if I'm going to nitpick anything here, I like this segment, but why are the Dark Order stopping Paige? from attacking i guess because maybe they don't want to like i don't know i don't know maybe they right want like violence. that's my only thing is like why they why? don't want violence i, I guess or I like guess. i don't know they're peaceful violence. people in a wrestling company i don't know unnecessary right to violence. censor joe gacy <laughs> right but anyways yeah good segment <laughs> yeah i thought it was a great way to start the show it didn't involve too much of just hangman uh but that's okay i guess I like Brian coming out. He really descended into a heel almost as this segment went on. And it was very interesting and also surprising because the second he made a comment against Hangman, he got booed a ton, which isn't typical of him. Instant heel. And I guess that is also a testament to Hangman's popularity. You're which right. That, that's a good sign. It is. Um, Brian was super interesting here. And I don't mind this aggressive side because it, it can bolster his feuds with, against Babyface stars. Exactly. Because he, I feel like the clean-cut wrestler persona he's adopted also it lends itself to either side. And... I think this um kind of helps him against baby faces because then it's not just kind of a bland. You're right because that's thing. the only thing for me that heading into this Paige Danielson match right is that it should be amazing but it's baby face baby face and that's not ideal so they are quickly establishing no it's not which I think is awesome. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, this already adds more intrigue to the storyline in the match even though I was already looking forward to it. I'm not sure what this means for Brian's character in terms of face, heel, or tweener in the future, but definitely makes it more interesting. Yep. And we lead right into Brian Danielson versus Evil Uno for the opener in an entertaining back-and-forth enhancement match that did showcase an, a newer side of Brian Danielson. It did. Of which I, I, I feel like it, it's so weird. Like, I, he's been heel a bunch of times. Like, he started out in WWE, like, as heel. I mean, he started as a baby face, but the, the large part of his early WWE run was heel, and then he became, like, a mega babyface. I think that's also why it's so weird to me because no matter how many times he's done like a heel character every now and then, he's always been the mega babyface. Yeah, and he's a fantastic babyface. <clears throat> right. So it's a little in- interesting, but uh, I I do like to see because he's honestly great at both. Yep. Um. So the notables for the match. Uh. Early on, we do see double like takedown and a brief half crab by Brian, but Uno is able to get a quick rope break. A shoulder tackle by Uno, and he counters a leapfrog by Brian with an inverted atomic drop. More back and forth wrestling, and Brian slaps Uno after taking a chop. Chest kicks by Brian, and then corner strikes followed by front chantry suplex. Basically like a suplex, but without hooking Uno's arm around his neck. So, kind of, it's I feel like that would require like a little more strength. It would apply some more pressure too, right? right. Maybe a little more painful. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Brian gets booed as he's gesturing to the crowd. Uh, Uno fights back and delivers knife edge chops to Brian. Brian pushes Uno into the corner and he hits repeated uh, kicks to the back while the crowd chants no instead of yes. So, yeah, another the crowd's on board. differentiation. Yep. I don't know if that's just them, like, actually hating him or, like, they're just going along. Either way, I like it. Yep. It works. Um, Brian face palms Uno twice, just, like, kind of, like, putting his hand on his face and shoving, not necessarily a slap or anything. Very heelish. And Uno unleashes strikes to back Brian um, to the corner and he continues the attack. Uh, running step off her around by Uno and then a neck breaker for two. A pair boosts the side of the face and a slap by Uno, and Brian retaliates with the discus forearm, which kind of knocks him back. I think he even knocked him down. Yeah. Uh, repeated slaps in the corner by Brian. Uh, running corner drop kicks by Brian, but the third is cut off by a nice running boot by Uno. Uno looks for a suntan atomico from the top rope, but Brian gets the knees up and falls with a signature running shotgun knee strike, and falls with that. Um, he falls that with the uh, wrist traps. Um, 
repeated face stomps, like just stomps him with the while holding his arms. And then after stomps, he transitions into a triangle choke, which gets an immediate submission. And then post match, uh, we get a quick interview of Tony Schiavone talking to Brian Danielson. Um, Brian says he came out here to congratulate Hangman because of Hangman's behavior. He ended up kicking Uno's head in. Brian says he'll kick everyone in the Dark Order's head in until he faces Hangman. He says he, 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 um, they're in Chicago next week. And he hears there's a uh, Dark Order member from Chicago. And, and if Cole Cabin has any nuts, he'll kick his head in next week. Nice. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed the match. It was pretty quick. Like I think it was six minutes or something like that. But Brian looked even more vicious now that See, he's kind of... Short matches are good when it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and it fully embraces what appeals, appears to be a heel turn, but I guess we'll see. I thought Uno performed well, as he always does, but Danielson needed to look dominant here, right? And the finishing sequence, I thought, did that for him. And it's funny, because I had written my notes. I put, Danielson could continue to destroy Dark Order members until he gets to Paige, and I'd watch it. And then that was Danielson's very next sentence. Like, I typed it the sentence before he said it. Right, there's so many awesome um matches in that that series alone like when he gets to face grayson or john silver yep. oh man and Even it's, Alex a, Reynolds, and it's a smart because danielson is like i f- i wrestle every week all the time so he can keep and this, doing that and this adds into the storyline i mean i don't know if he'll face everyone because um we have like there's a lot a month less than a month right. until um winter's coming which is when i assume the title match will be because that's the next like makes sense. special show um, but I really hope he gets to face at least Grayson and Silver. And, like, the Dark Order, I think, generally has a pretty nice roster within their faction. So, um, Brian's got some good options. And neither sure. of those guys need to win, but it would be awesome matches. And it's a smart way for Danielson to carry on the I work every week gimmick. And give us some entertaining television. Yep, and then we get to what should be an awesome match with now a clear heel face dynamic. So, I thought it was all very smart. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a great little match. Uno is never going to win or really hang with Brian for long. But he looked good and what... He was able to get and he got in a good flurry. It made sense. I didn't expect this to last long. I think the time that this got uh, was right. I think so, too. Um, Brian looked great here, too, leaning into his heelish side a bit more and showing even more aggression than we have gotten to see recently because I feel like he's had a little bit even since coming to AEW. So has. I think now it's even ramped up further. The post-match promo was cool and gets to set up a fun string of matches for Brian. Like I said, I would love to see him face Grayson Silver. Those are like probably the two best Dark Order members not named Hangman Page, if he even counts. Officially counts, counts yeah. Um, and who knew Brian versus Hangman would turn into this? I don't know what I'm seeing from Brian Danielson, but I like it. I haven't seen him as a heel before. Um, um, as I or sorry, I have seen him as a heel before as Eagle Friendly Daniel Bryan, but this is very different. So it's, it still feels really weird. Like I said, he's always been the mega baby face, so yep. it's always a little weird yep. when he is not. Um, next, we get uh, an MJF promo, which was from Full Gear, like after his match with Darby, just they didn't show. Right, so, in the locker room, he's looking all beat up, right. kind this of. This took fi- place uh, Full Gear, but Darby's paints all over his body from the match, right. yeah. Um, he says he isn't covered in paint, but he is covered in shame. He says he can't stop hearing about all the professional wrestlers from Full Gear. But he made them all look like idiots because he proved he was better than just the best on the mic. He says he loved every second of it because when while they hated his guts, they had to admit how good he is. And he beat Darby with a headlock takeover. And he is excited to go to Virginia to see what the future holds for the great star, future star of AEW, which is this one. Because this one's in Virginia. And he says he is Maxwell Jacob Freeman and he is better than you. And you'll have no choice to, but to admit it. Yeah, I thought this was another great promo from MJF. Catchphrase variation. He's speaking the truth here, right? Like a lot of people, including me to a certain degree, would be like, he's amazing on the mic, but he's not as good. I never thought he was bad in the ring, but that is a critique that, oh, he's just a guy that can talk. But that 
match, the opening match to Full Gear was a phenomenal match. Like there, you it was can't, more of a showcase for him than I would have expected. I, I don't know. I've always thought he was pretty good. You can't say MJF is not a good professional wrestler and watch that match and still hold that opinion, I don't think. So if That's it were true. if it were up to me, I would probably have MJF earmarked as the guy to take the title from Page, but way down the road. Way down, yeah. I, I think Hangman deserves a long run. I I, I hope he's the one to break the year long run because I don't think any um, men's champion has done that yet. Because I know um, Jericho certainly did. Because I think he's the shortest reigning AEW World Champ. And Moxley was like he was from like February to. Um, like December 2020, yeah. and then Omega was just short of a year, actually. So, so I would be totally fine if MJF's <clears throat> the guy they keep building to get to that. He's at end. least at, as it stands now. I don't know what signings they'll make, what stars right. will emerge, but as it stands now, he's definitely like I would say the best candidate to be. And you just man. have a beloved babyface with the most hated heel, and they do school. have history too. Like he's even mentioned that he beat Hangman for the Diamond, right. Diamond Ring even way back. I think they had interactions in the first um Casino Battle Royal. And stuff like that. So like, uh, they do they they have like, they don't. I wouldn't say they have like a lot of history, but they at least have something there, which is all AEW really needs. Exactly, they can use it. Right. Um, I thought it was another super promo from MJF. I thought he had some good points from heel logic point of view. I really I like the twist on his ending catchphrase. Yep. Um, I thought that was really cool. And then next we get a quick interview from Eddie Kingston or with Eddie Kingston. I mean, um, and 2.0 quickly interrupt and Matt Lee asks if Kingston is going to complain again. Uh, Parker says, of course he will, and Kingston didn't last as long as their son Garcia did <laughs> <Weird>. <laughs> with Punk, which yeah. I thought was kind of funny. Kingston tells him to shut up, and he says Garcia letting 2.0 call them, call him their son, um, and he doesn't respect him for that, yes. which I thought was kind of funny. He says he knows where Garcia's from, and they can fight anytime, and 2.0 separate them as it gets more heated, and Kingston asks how hard it is to get uninterrupted promo time, and he's going to catering. Um, so... I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but I found it interesting. I don't know how I feel about it. The fact that Eddie Kingston got his interview interrupted and got mad and complained about it. But when it was CM Punk that he interrupted, he kind of mocked Punk for, oh, God forbid someone interrupt your interview, right? So I don't know if that's intentional. I think it may be like... It might be nitpicking a bit, but... Maybe it's because he thinks like Punk is such a big shot or something. Right. I don't know. Like Maybe it plays different for Punk because Punk's like... Maybe, oh, maybe it's because, like, Punk's always getting, like, he gets, like, weekly TV time yes, pretty much, he right? Does. He's always getting, and like, just to talk Punk sometimes. segments. Right, so maybe it's, like, I, so I, could, I could see that applying differently for Punk and Kingston, but I, I see what you mean. So regardless, Kingston's magic anytime he gets to speak. I look forward to him facing Garcia. Um, Which, as we talked about in the news, that's next week's Rampage. And I imagine this is a match where Kingston gets a win to sort of get back on track because he doesn't win a whole bunch. Not that he needs to. And Garcia to. doesn't really need a win here. Like, I, I like him as the guy who can hang with yeah. some of the big guys, but doesn't really And until win. they start to focus on him a bit more, I think that's the role he's in. I liked Garcia pointing out that he lasted longer in his match with Punk. I thought that was a clever route to go. And that should be something that would get under Kingston's skin, right? With the bad mood he's already in. So I thought yeah, this that, was good. Yeah, that's kind of odd the more you think about it. So you would think Kingston would last longer. But I think the way they built to the match, too, was that Punk and Kingston, this was just a fight and they wanted to kill each other. And sometimes that, ends, that ends quickly, right? Yeah, that, that I guess, yeah, it could be different. Um... But yeah, I thought this was nice. Um, I, another great segment involving Eddie Kingston. Simple to the point, and it was great. Sets up an interesting match. I like how he's just like pissed off because he can't just he can't really catch a break. He just right. He can't just talk. Right. Um, how he wants to talk, he has to get interrupted by somebody. That's right. 
Uh, next, we get Butcher and Blade versus Orange Cassie and Tomohiro Ishii, which is probably the weirdest team that I have ever seen. And Ishii's one of my favorites from Japan. I love Tomo Ishii. Yeah, and when they were entering, I realized he was wearing the Never Openweight title. That's right. Which means he took the title from my boy, That's right. Jay White, which is very offensive. And apparently he's held that title six times. Yeah. So he clearly did not need to take it off of him. And I noticed he looked older here, so he definitely didn't need Jay to take it off of Because Jay White's coming to AEW, so they had to clear him out. That's a fair point. Maybe. Who knows? He should. If he, he does, I will be very happy. Um, and this was basically, it was a tag team enhancement match to showcase a debuting star yeah, in Ishii, which whether he's around or not, got to make him look good in the first Absolutely. appearance. Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, so notables, uh, forearms and a shoulder tackle by Blade, but Ishii drops him with one forearm. Uh, lazy splash off of the ropes by Cassie for a one count where he just kind of walks, bounces off the ropes and just falls down. Um, Cassie hits the, hits the kicks of doom to Blade and jumps over him with his hands in his pockets, followed by a drop kick. Butcher makes the blind tank and hits Cassie with a big shoulder tackle. Cassie makes the hot take to, to Ishii post-commercial break. And Ishii unleashes on Blade and then hits repeat corner knife edge chops and a Saido suplex or two. Um, sorry, doomsday suplex. <laughs> yeah. Give him a signature move and then fire him. Yes. Um, or at least like name one of his moves. Yeah, and then... an existing move. Just call it, name it after him and right. then fire him. At least it's not the crossplex or... Uh... <laughs> crossplex. Or something like right. that. Like I, I think the cross jackets are pretty. TikTok plex. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's that that's his... so bad. That's who, why would you even say that? Because so... he always said TikTok. That's so awful. Not after the app, after his <clears throat> catchphrase. No, but that's all I can think about. So that makes me sad. Sorry. Uh, a uh, blade escapes a suplex and tags in butcher. A form exchange between Ishii and Butcher. Corner chops by Butcher. Chops continue, but Ishii absorbs them now. He absorbs some forearms as well. Uh, forearm by Ishii, and he lifts Butcher onto the top turnbuckle and hits a an okay superplex uh, shortly after for two, um, with Blade having to break the pin. Cassidy tags in, goes for a diving crossbody on Butcher uh, and Blade, but gets caught. He gets out and hits Butcher with a stung dog millionaire and the tilt-to-world DDT to Blade for a near fall. Um, Butcher and Blade hit Cassie with their full death move, um, but Ishii breaks the pin. Ishii hits repeated elbows to Butcher and backs him into the corner with repeated chops and then forearms. A German suplex to Butcher by Ishii as Bunny distracts the ref. Romero pulls Blade out of the ring as he looks to Ishii with the brass knucks, and then Cassie takes out Blade and Hardy with a dive. And then Ishii hits a lariat and a brain buster for the win. Yeah, um, I... I'm going to nitpick again. The very beginning of this match, you basically, Ishii starts the match, hits one forearm and tags out. So I don't understand if that's what you're going to have him do. Just have him start not in the match and let the anticipation build, right, to him getting tagged in. He literally hit a strike and tagged out. But anyways, um, it was standard Ishii stuff, right? Like it's a lot of chops, a lot of elbows, and then some moves, high impact stuff mixed in. I thought the match was pretty good, but then there was just few too many moving parts for me involved near the end there which kind of took me out of it a little bit i love ishii and he did we get to see his hard hitting style right um so that was good i don't quite get the best friends chaos alignment and i don't so it, it it feels even weirder to me when i get to see ishii team with orange cassidy i don't think and aew I, I wouldn't expect this from them i don't think they've done a good job of explaining this to us at all they've just kind of told us this is the other case. than the fact that like when romero appeared on aew like best friends kind of 
helped him out and kind of inducted him into there. But then I don't know why they needed to be in chaos. And it just doesn't feel like a good fit to me. But yeah, exactly. I thought the match was fun enough, but nothing, nothing great. And then it just got too much stuff going on by the end for me. Yeah, if you had to make like a, like one of those chart thingies where you had to compare like Venn um, diagram, Venn diagram, that thing, yes of chaos and best friends i'm pretty sure the two circles would be in like different rooms there's not much in that middle portion that they share right other than yeah. they are wrestlers <clears throat> yeah it, it they they really don't seem to have too many differences no or similarities yeah damn it uh, <laughs> um i thought this was fine it was cool to see ishii in action even if it was weird that he was teaming with orange cassie and i noticed that he took never open weight title off my boy jay white but he looked pretty good here I noticed he had some gray facial hair though, which I he looked much older, and which I didn't seem to notice a couple years ago at least or something. No, that's hey, you gotta go gray some point, right? <laughs> yeah. Could happen overnight. Yeah. Um, this is fine and exactly what you would expect. Um, next again, FTR and Andrade interview. Um, Andrade says to Cody and Pack, he is a better wrestler than both of them because he beat both of them, and he will show them his bad side. I think that's what he said. Um, yeah, I have my notes too. I missed a little bit of what he said yeah. at one point. Cash is there frustrated because Lucha Bros pinned the wrong man and robbed them of the titles, uh, which I think is funny considering they literally stole like, them. <laughs> stole the other titles. Right. Because they But that's Lucha heels, Bros. man. They don't see it that way. <laughs> um, Cash says Co- since Cody and Pac want to stick their noses in their business, he suggests they, he suggests they get Malachi Black and make this an eight man tag and then totally threatens Arn or something. Old man fight. <laughs> old man fight and yes possible uh yeah so like i said i missed a bit of what andre on andre andrade said as well but i'm happy with the end result in the match that's coming up so then my question is who's getting andrade's money right because they told us before that he was paying mjf for ftr services because i complained about that right because i think it makes ftr look weak now ftr are referring it to as to it as their fee which makes Maybe a lot like even if even if he is paying MJF, that's still their fee. Yeah, but I think this was the implication that they're getting paid, which makes a lot well, more sense make, to me. I guess maybe MJF makes a percentage. I don't know. But anyways, I, I'm glad that they're not saying it. They're just the property of MJF to be rented out. It now seems like they're getting the money, which makes sense. Anyways, a I brief like segment. It at served, least makes sense for, sorry, MJF to get like a percentage or something it served its purpose it served its purpose this segment i don't think it was awesome but it set up a match that i want to see so that's fine yeah this is a stacked alliance um this is solid but some of the stuff andrade said wasn't super clear so that's not great because i thought some of his promo work recently has been great but i think this one was a bit of a miss i agree um but overall this was good i would love to see that man tag again other than cody i think the death triangle and cody again venn diagram they are not at all similar right i don't mind cody and ring though no, I don't mind him. I just don't. There, I would rather someone else team mm-hmm. with that triangle. Um, but I think the heel squad of FTR, Andrade, and Malachi Black—that's amazing. Like the definition of a dream team, pretty much. Yep. If you put that triangle with uh, someone else, good. Pete Dunne, <laughs> nice. that would be cool. Uh, next we get a quick Ty Conti pack, which which I thought was kind of random. Um, she says even when she loses, she wins because she didn't fail against Baker, even though she did. I guess maybe morally. I don't know. Well, I think it, she's talking about it like we did, right? Like she needed to come across as a she contender. She needs to get her. She needs to prove she can yeah, hang. She, could, she needs to throw her name in the hat. And I think this promo is just to keep her, her hat in the ring. Right. Keep her momentum hat in the going. Ring. Damn it, I messed it up again. Yep. 
Um, she says she learned and she isn't starting from scratch next time and she will be successful in her next title shot. Yeah. Uh, depends on what it is, but yeah. I thought this was a good babyface promo. She gained experience and confidence from going toe-to-toe with the dominant champion, right? So she's improved her speaking a lot too, along with Andrade. So she seems to be improving in all areas, which is all you can really ask of somebody, right? She has a strong babyface run ahead of her, I think. And I feel like she's a great fit for like the TBS title picture at in the near future with maybe designs on if she keeps getting better at the rate she has at the main title at some point. So I, I think they're just, they want to keep her fresh in our mind because they have plans for her, right? And I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought this was solid. Um, she deliver, delivered lines well enough, but I thought the thick accent was evident here but it's still and better than before yeah it didn't seem the, she didn't seem the most comfortable speaking here but i thought it was fine yep. i thought it was pretty good and it, it was relatively short too so that 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 helps uh, and then we get a quick Britt baker interview um baker says again that she is still a champion and she's t- getting tired of carrying the division and she'll direct attention to the future tbs champion jamie hater and tony mentions thunder rosa and baker says Hater will make Rose's name irrelevant next week, and she signs off with her DMD catchphrase. Yeah, I mean, a Britt Baker promo's never going to be bad, but I don't think this was a strong, particularly strong one. It was just more generic than what I'm used to from her, and it's hard for her to feel as heelish as I want her to when she's, like, saying nice things about Jamie Hater. right? Um, she wasn't insulting anyone particularly, because I like it when she has a target and she's mean to them, like MJF, right? Like... I want them to focus their heelness on somebody, which she's not here. Because she's, so, she's good at coming up with some uh, good insults. So she was more like Hater's cheerleader here, which isn't how I want Brit. But I thought it was still fine. She did a good job. I just like when she's really, really mean I do mean like the people. notion that she is like carrying the division. I think that's kind yes, of funny. Yes, me too. Um, but I thought I thought it was solid. Um, it was good, but didn't offer much. I don't really care about Hater versus Thunder Rosa, but... I don't either. I want to like Jamie Hater, but... I'm just kind of like, meh, okay. She doesn't really do anything. I don't mind her as Baker's crony, though, because she's definitely yeah, a lot of equal. Yeah, that works. Uh, next, we get a more interesting tournament match. Um, Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose in the AWTBS Championship Tournament. I believe this is the quarterfinals. I originally thought it was semifinals, and but I think it it's is the, actually quarterfinals. the two winningest women in AEW I believe history. So. I, think it, I think they said Shida has one more win than Nyla. Right. And um, they these two do have quite a bit of history. And they do. This is so Nyla Rose was I think one of the top five ranked, so she got a bye where she right. had to overcome Serena Deeb in the initial round. Good old Serena Deeb, she's yep. kicking around still. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll see that. Yep. Um, and I thought this was a nice David versus Goliath style match with an injury storyline throat st- stemming from that deep match. Actually, right. so I like that that carried through here. Me too. And it did kind of play into the finish as well. Uh, the match starts with the brawl right away, and Rose catches a running knee from Sheeta, um, kind of like just because she's big, so she holds her, she catches her and holds her. Yeah, I like that actually, right yeah. off the gate. Uh, back and forth battle in the corner until Sheeta takes control, and she hits a running corner knee and a middle rope drop kick to the knee. If we think. Oh, it was. Uh, they the commentary said it was. I was like, was my question was, was that just not a very good right? So I I took their kick? word for it because I don't think I really cat. Yeah, we'll give her it. the benefit of the doubt. Um, Sheeta goes for Falconero, but Rose counters and hits a suplex. After a scuffle on the outside, and Sheeta rolls back in the ring, Rose immediately hits an elbow drop, and then continues the attack. Rose bends Sheeta's left leg around the bottom rope and pulls it for the five count. And afterwards, she uses her leg to choke Sheeta over the middle, over the middle for the five count again. 
After another choke against the ropes, as the ref backs rose away, Vicky chokes Sheeta with the kendo stick, so could she stole Sheeta's kendo stick? Looked pretty weak. Yeah. Everything that um, Vicky did looked kind of weak to me in this one. What do you mean? She's the best pure striker like there was just in the a game. choke and a kendo stick shot she's right? the but... best pure striker in the game do you not remember <laughs> have you forgotten <laughs> yeah i think i have ah oh, that's a shame she's like she could go toe to toe with the best mixed martial artist in the game yeah probably or uh, undertaker isn't he the best striker oh yeah he's in the, the best pure striker of... she could go toe to toe with the undertaker himself i would imagine she if you ask me vicky guerrero that's should end the streak that is a money feud yeah vicky guerrero should end the streak <laughs> Uh, more like targeting my Rose. Uh, Sheeta counters Rose and sends her into the barricade. Uh, Rose sees Sheeta on the chair she used to attempt the running knee off of. And then misses a cannonball into the chair, which I thought was a nice spot. It looked good, yeah. Uh, Flatten she- that chair. Yeah. Uh, Shido takes the kendo stick from Vicky and hits her with it. And Serena Deeb attacks the knee of Sheeta behind the ref's back after the commercial break. So Deeb getting involved here. Uh, Rose hits her diving knee drop to the back of Sheeta um, when she's draped over the top rope, which is a pretty nice move because it's kind of a double impact. She gets hit with the knee and then kind of lands on her back in the ring, so a bit of a double impact. Sheeta counters a beast bomb into a triangle choke, which Rose eventually counters into a, like a one-arm power bomb to power out and falls with a senton onto Sheeta's knee, I think, which is a really effective move. Yeah. Especially because she's like a bigger woman, so I think that's a yeah, a, that was cool. effective move. Um, Rose misses a diving senton, and Sheeta capitalizes with a jackknife pin for two. Rose avoids, I think they call it the katana from Sheeta, and taps with Sheeta with the brock lock. Right. Brock lock. <laughs> a stretch muffler for those Brock lock. So I thought this had one pretty boring stretch in the middle when Nyla was in control and Vicky was trying to get involved. Um, yeah. But other um, than that. And as Excalibur said, the vicious Vixens alliance came off. He did actually <laughs> use that name. So the senton, Miss Senton on the chair by Nyla looked good. Vicky's use of the kendo stick did not. I love Nyla Rose's top rope knee to hang the opponent draped over the top rope. I think it looks awesome every time. Really liked Serena Deeb's sneak attack because it's going to prolong a feud that I've been really enjoying, right? Get us another match between Sheeta and Deeb. All day I'd watch that. And they are tied in their uh, feud series. And I like the finish of this with Rose countering into the stretch muffler to target Sheeta's injured knee. It just made sense. Nyla's focused attack, like slightly altering her offense to target the knee, I thought was really good. The crowd was really into this uh, by the end. And minus the lull in the middle, I thought this was a good match. Yeah, I liked it, actually. Um, I thought it was another good encounter between these two. They seemed to have pretty good chemistry. This was no exception. There were some cool spots. I like that Dyla continued working on a, on a Sheeta's leg after what happened in the Deep match. I even like Deep getting involved to help cost Sheeta the win. I think now there was that 50 wins now, but no plaque. I think that's right. Well, so, you only get it if you're the first one, not the second one. Who cares? That's true. All right. That's true. Um, next, we get Malachi Black promo, which is always nice. Um, he says in Chicago, the four of them will haunt uh, Cody Pack and Luchabos, and they will outcast them. He says he will make it so that the air they breathe will turn toxic, and they will realize what a small part they have played in the grand equation. Mm-hmm. Whatever that equation is. It's almost like he has some larger plan Nine that they're a part of. Nine plus ten equals twenty-one. What? Nine plus ten equals twenty-one. I don't know what you're talking about. 
Um, he says they will grasp for air while Oxford is still on their side or something like that. Yeah, I thought it was a cool promo. Pretty it's brief. It's really difficult to take notes on. But I like the last line of the enjoy breathing while oxygen is on your side. I did think that was cool. But yeah, just the standard cool Malachi Black promo where you're 90% sure what he means, but 10% of you is kind of wondering if there's some other meaning to it, which in WWE, it was the reverse, right? It was, I didn't understand 90% of what he was saying because they were just big words, big words, big words sort of thing. So I like this. Yeah, I, I thought it was another great poem from him. It's so difficult to take notes on, I think, because, like, he yeah. just, like, it's a lot of philosophies and, like, or, like, he's just, like, I don't know, like, flowing. Cryptic. Yeah. Cryptic, and he's just, like, flowing along, but it's very entertaining. I think it really works. He's really in his wheelhouse, I think. Yep. And I think they do a really good job of not boarding to, like, spooky nonsense i agree it, like it's like he's not supernatural other than the entrance where the lights go off and he shows up in a new spot but i don't but mind that's that that's not... pretty minor no, that's yeah been, i agree um that's like probably the like if you're going supernatural that's probably the least offensive thing it's you not can like do. decay on impact who magically will appear in a room for a promo right or interrupt so he's not doing or that teleport other places right like so i'm house, i'm fine with how blacks where you wrestle we'll talk about it don't worry it's the <laughs> highlight of your week i know <laughs> <laughs> it is. We'll get there. Um, next we get MJF coming to the ring to speak. He's accompanied by the chairman Sean Spears and Wardlow. I like for Spears to do more. I think I I like him. He's he's kind of underrated. He's okay in my opinion. I miss Ty Dillinger. Though. He's fine. Ty Dillinger was perfect. Some would say he was a perfect ten. <laughs> Some would say. <laughs> uh, Spears says MJF could be any of their heroes with a headlock takeover, and the MJF would appreciate science at this time, which I I thought that was pretty funny. Yep. Because now that's gonna be a thing, even because obviously heel logic gonna ignore the whole uh dynamite ring thing but i mean i think it's pretty funny yeah he just um, won clean in that match as far right. as he's concerned no shenanigans whatsoever Nothing. mj said he tried and that's why spears is a good friend um and that also brought back the accountability buddy thing which i think is still a weird phrase it is a weird phrase um he says he checks all the boxes in the ring and on the mic and he's the most complete pro wrestler on the planet. He's up there, I would say. He's yep, pretty complete. I think he is. Um, he says he is the past, present, and future of pro wrestling. He says he could take a big cowboy crap on their hometown boys, Tyler Rain, which I think <laughs> is potential. I, I, I don't think it'll be I like that they're soon, mentioning, putting it out there, no, right? Yeah, that, that's yep. the start. That's, I'll take that. And I think it's that's, that's good because I don't think it needs to... And maybe they do... They go with the Conti method. They throw his name in the hat. Even though we all know he's worthy. Like, I would even just like that as, like, a first match for them. Because I, I wouldn't mind, like... And even for Hangman just to get a win over him, I think that would be... And then they good. could come back around to it, even if... Depending how long Exactly, the right? Yeah, they they could do that Conti route where I think they just, like... Throw his hat in the ring. Hat, nailed, nailed it. it. Um, first try. Just for the first... <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, just for once. And I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that match more than once. He says, the rankings don't tell you everything. Facts. And he deserves to be the next AEW champion. Uh, that's also true, actually. Yes. At, for now. Um, he says, nobody in the locker room is on his level. Unless Jay White comes in, then we'll Jay see. White. He needs to be presented better than he was in Impact, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it's, Which he Impact would be. Impact is smelly. A little bit. Um, and here comes CM Punk. I've heard of him. Uh, MJF says his name. Um, that is MJF's name. No, it's not like he was like, CM Punk. <laughs> Um, he offers a handshake to Punk, who walks away and leaves, so... Yeah. Don't know why he came out, but... Um, um, thoughts? I thought this was a great combination of Punk and MJF, as long as Punk is willing to have MJF win, because MJF, in my opinion, needs to stay on the role 
he's on right now and punk he doesn't need to win and every i think match mjf is point. worthy of beating punk as well right like yes i don't think is. like someone like kingston or garcia or hobbs needs to beat punk but i think mjf would be a great choice to be the first and punk doesn't need to win and punk is supposedly and again i'm always skeptical of punk because i know he knows what the right thing to say in every situation is whether he means it or not but he's sort of said he's at the point in his career where he wants to try and elevate other people, I think. So we'll see if he's sincere about that. And other than that, the verbal battles these two could have ahead of any sort of match could be epic, right? Um, I like that Punk came out and said absolutely nothing here because MJF loves to talk. And this is step one of Punk messing with him right out of the gate by not even giving him the satisfaction of responding, right? So it also builds the anticipation for when Punk does finally unload verbally on MJF, because you know that's coming, right? So I really love the way they handled this. I thought it was another really good segment that sets up an intriguing program between these two. Again, I just really need MJF to win. He doesn't have to win clean, but he needs to win, I think, in this. Mm -hmm. Um, I, th I thought it was another solid promo from MJF, although a shorter one. Punk coming out and then toying with MJF was kind of amusing, sets up an interesting match. I think it's very interesting interest in contrast to Styles just from a character standpoint. I think those promo battles will will be interesting. Yes, I think so too. They should be amazing. And I definitely think MJF should go over. Me too. Uh, next, we get a Darby Allen interview. Um, and he says MJF did not break him mentally and they will eventually have a rematch, which I like that because I would love that. And I, 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 I would... I wouldn't mind like a best two or three series. I mean, not like officially, but like they do, they do like the yeah. trilogy of matches. I'd watch route. it again, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, he says he won't take any time off. He wants the biggest and baddest to face, and who should answer the challenge? But Billy Gunn. He is the yes. biggest. He is big. I'll give him that. I don't think he's the biggest. No, he's not the he's biggest. Not the baddest either. No. Um, he says he is the biggest and the baddest. False, and tells Darby to say when. And Colton says. Better bring a skateboard, and he winks at him for some reason. And then Austin Gunn is like, I like cuddles, and then chuckles. Yeah, I didn't get that part. I was confused, but it's just... I, I saw... I've seen this twice, and it still confused me. I, this is obviously just a way to start rebuilding Darby, right? Apparently, Billy wins. Gunn kicked out, like, before one of a coffin drop. Oh. So... So Darby needs to get some wins back after losing to MJF in that amazing match. So it makes sense to work his way through the gun club if he has to, to pick up some wins, I guess. Or just face Billy Gunn and call it a day. Yeah, maybe. Or actually, I'd rather him face Austin Gunn, because he's not old. It'll be Sting and Allen against both of the guns, or two of the guns, or all the guns. I don't know. But anyways, it was fine. Nothing That's special. Gross. I don't want Sting versus Billy Gunn ever, let alone now. Um, Darby Allen versus Billy Gunn. How exciting. The Gun Club do not matter whatsoever. And them as heels is almost so different from them as babyface, because like I said, they do not matter. And Billy Gunn is not the biggest or baddest in AEW, but he's definitely one of the oldest. He is. And that is not a good thing. Uh, next we hear from the Super Click. Cole says he's tired of Jurassic Express and Christian Cage in full gear was the worst night of his life. Which, I mean, he, I, I would say the worst night of his life is probably when he got offered to be a manager. Probably, or Lee, yeah. Or when he lost that NXT title, but I'd be mean, hey, sure. Um, Matt says it was the worst night of their careers, and his kids had to watch it. He went on longer than that, but that's just kind of a summary of that line. Cole says the Elite and the Super Click will be better than ever. And two nights time on Rampage, he and Bobby Fish will end Jurassic Express. Fish insults both members of Jurassic Express and says it's time to put an end to this Jurassic joke. And he's about to sell the line, 
and that is undisputed, which is Cole's line at the end of every promo they ever had. Right. And he's about to do the hand gesture, which, like the guys on NXT, but Matt Jackson says we can't do that here and tells Color to cut it there, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, Adam Cole's fantastic. I don't know what it is, but when he cuts a promo, a serious promo, staring into the camera, it's unlike any other wrestler for me. I don't know what it yeah, is. he's good at um, it. And I think his ability to be so good and serious is a great compliment to the Bucks' general over-the-top silliness, right? Um, I like using the Bucks being injured as well, right? Because they did take a beating in that match to allow Fish to work for the group a little bit more. And then we talked about it a little bit, but my fantasy booking of this situation goes like this. Because I already think they're sort of... There's this hint that they're just using Bobby Fish right now. So my idea would be they use him a little bit longer. There's a falling out where Fish realizes he's being used and he's not really part of the group. So then he starts to turn against the group. The group's like, what are you going to do? There's one of you. We've got numbers game, numbers game, numbers game. And good old Kyle O'Reilly shows up, right? And O'Reilly and Fish are now taken on the Bucks or whatever. And I really think that is a... I don't a possibility. I think it makes sense to me because Fish is like, and then Adam Cole is like sucking brother truckers, and they all beat down the right. Bucks. So Fish is only part of the group when they need him for something, and they don't really embrace him as a full member. And at some point, he realizes that, and so they're like, "Too bad, it's one of you, and we're just gonna kill you." And then O'Reilly comes. Okay, my fantasy booking yes. is that they are using Bobby Fish, right? And then Cole's like, and Cole's fine with it, but then O'Reilly comes and he's like, "Not us, suckers!" And then they're they for him on the speed Eric and they beat up the young bucks and Kenny Omega comes back and he's like hell not and then they have a faction feud See, I think... and then eventually Roderick Strong comes in and they're like now we have more people than you and they bring in um uh mm. Brandon See, Cutler See I think mine makes more sense A it's less convoluted and B Kyle O'Reilly's fresh off of I hate Adam Cole storyline. They don't need to connect that. But they could, and I think it would make sense, because they basically brought Malachi Black's exact same gimmick over from WWE. So it's not like they're against acknowledging what you've done in another company, right? So it could be O'Reilly is still hating Cole and is basically hunting Adam Cole and coming to this company to finish (gasps) that. And then he starts out by joining up with with fish. the elite hunter <laughs> right so i don't know that's where i would love to see it go but i guess we'll find out yeah they should give him the elite hunter nickname worked out for the last guy right Right. oh yeah <laughs> Kaz. um but i like this as a short bit uh colton fisher's jessica expression being a very interesting match and i liked another nod to um undisputed era yep i almost said ue and i hate myself for it uh next we get leo rush and dante martin versus the acclaimed and an entertaining TV tag with an interesting style clash. And, of course, we got to hear nice Max Caster rap. Yep, another great entrance, Maxwell I thought. Maxwell Caster. And Leo, Leo Rush, Leo, listen to me. Look at me, Leo. I'm talking to you right now, Leo Rush. <laughs> Leo I Rush, we know you listen to the podcast. You, Leo Rush, I think you're fantastic. Please, please, Leo, go out and get new gear. You can't. <laughs> you can't. Look at me, Leo. You can't. <laughs> keep wrestling it's in that so gear. bad he looks like he looks like a child in pajamas because you are very short in stature yes it looks like you're wearing a onesie <laughs> and on top of that you are shredded and you have really cool tattoos so i don't know what you're doing you need to stop leo it's Get, double weird just wear trunks let's go okay or like tights even honestly. that is my intervention with leo rush you may continue <laughs> yeah i don't think the bodysuits ever work for anyone i mean it, it's worse because he's short but like i remember ricochet's done it on a few occasions it looks like and someone's awful. kid hopped out of the crowd and is like joined in on the match <laughs> oh, tr- hasn't trey miguel done that before i feel like yes 
Um, yeah, Ricochet did look awful. I remember Shinsuke Nakamura did that for, like, almost the entirety of his heel run. Yeah. It was awful. Like, and- if he were, were not in shape or he was incredibly skinny, like... Um, the dude from NXT, Leon Ruff or something. <laughs> but, like, he's in phenomenal shape, and he's got cool ink. He used to like, look weird. I don't I think, know what he's doing. I think doing. the only time he was okay was... Remember um, MVP used to yes, do that? Yes, I like, didn't really love when he I think that either. was okay, but, like... Right, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But, like, I feel like generally it's never a good move. It's, it's like not. I feel like even if you went so far as taking the sleeves off... It would help. I mean, it might look more like an entrance gear then, but, look like... less like pajamas. <laughs> Yeah. Which is the goal, I think. Which, that's the <laughs> main goal. That, that's the main goal, at to least. not look right? like at a least. child in a onesie should be a goal. Right. Yeah. I do like Leo's hair now, though. I think he's cool, nice. man. I That's my only complaint. Leo about Rush, him. I like playing as Leo Rush in 2K, but he's got, like, that was when he had kind of, like, a shaved head, pretty much, like, yeah. a buzz cut. And I think I think he looks cool. It's my only complaint about Leo Rush. <laughs> yeah. Um. After Caster finishes rapping, Bowen delivers his line, saying, saying an extended Norfolk. Which I think he's getting better in his role, too to be yeah. honest i think they've taken the uh new age outlaws formula modernized it and made it better yep i i that's fair and they also don't like end zone cast were the same thing but and the difference is caster does it differently every time because yeah. he's always got some sort of different rap it's always awesome like i think that makes that that's what makes it better too is like not only are they good at it, like the other iterations but like they're good at it doing it like different every time right? even that just when he walks out and he's waiting for the right part of the beat when he's like yo listen like i even like that like part that. of it yeah because there's the bit of uh lyrics in the um entrance scene, yeah. which i think is a good backtrack too right yeah no his, it's good performance unlike uh, nxt 2.0 who don't understand what a good backtrack is i right. guess um martin rush hit stereo suicide i see the claims after they're done doing their shenanigans yep right away uh rush and martin do a lot of quick misdirections on bones and hit a drop to hold basement drop kick combo which i thought was awesome they're just like they're like really fast like shifting around misdirecting him i thought that was really cool because sometimes those look kind of shoddy but i thought this one was really so cool. that's one of leo rush's signature moves those dodges and then i thought they incorporated his new tag partner into it I really thought, well. yeah i thought it was yeah, really cool it was um corner chops by bowman's after an overhand chop uh martin rebounds the ropes but gets tripped by caster and pulled out then sent to the barricade uh the acclaim somewhat methodically are beating on uh martin a neck breaker by caster for two and uh, martin walks off the backs of the acclaim to tag in rush who gets a really fast hot tag flurry ending in an axe kick on bowens for two Everybody hit something cool and a nice flurry of offense with just moves going all around, Craziness, which I yes. thought was really nice. Uh, side slam by Bowens, followed by an elbow drop by Caster, which I think they called the bike drop for two, with Martin it breaking is. the pin, which I thought was a nice uh, combo. Uh, springboard shotgun drop kick to Caster by Martin, and then Martin hits the double jump springboard moonsault. I forgot what they called it. I think they had a name for it. I don't. I didn't catch it. And then it. Rush hits his frog splash where he does like this. It's kind of a split-legged in bear. Yeah. With his hands in the, and he, I remember he called out the final hour for the win. And post-match team Taz come out. Um, Taz congratulates him on the victory and says it's great to see Leo back. He sends his condolences and says um, that people have been uncomfortable because they approached um, Martin um, when Rush was gone. I think right. it was Rampage last week, I want to say. Yeah. Because I don't think it was Dynamite. Um, no, because they were on Dynamite last week. against. Was that when they faced Hidal and Moriarty? I want to say it was. I think it was, yes. Um, he says Leo should understand because this is just business. He says they're patient. They waited for Hobbs join. Then mentions like it's almost a year since he joined them, which I can't imagine anyone cares. Um, Stark says Burt will have a great supporting staff, and if he joins Team Taz, it will be a start to a Hall of Fame career rather than a mediocre one. And the choice is his. Yeah. Um, the match I 
really, really enjoyed. Like, I thought it was super fun, especially when things kind of, quote unquote, broke down and everybody was involved. I thought just in general, the Acclaimed are a really good heel tag team. Like, they used a lot of, like, classic heel strategies. I think... Um, once they improve even more in the ring, I would love to see them with the titles. Yep, they're a, a young, really solid heel team. They're cutting off the ring with a combination of like basic offense and some high-impact stuff. And then all that set up one heck of a Leo Rush hot tag, which is part of the reason heels are supposed to be doing that, right? By isolating and cutting off the ring. Right, to build up to that. And Rush's hot tag's amazing. Then you get a satisfying flurry with all four of them involved and some great selling of Rush, especially of that super kick, right? Where it just looked like it knocked him out cold and he just dropped. Um, Great combination offense from both teams throughout this. Um, This, just an excellent, I thought, TV tag team match. As for the aftermath, I thought it was awkward because they spent a good chunk of it talking up Hobbs, right? As it's mm-hmm. his one year in of whatever. But like Hobbs hasn't done any, like, you know what I mean? Like saying how great Hobbs has been presented and that's why you should consider being recruited by us doesn't make sense to me because Hobbs right. doesn't do anything. I'm right. fine with this as a mid card. I'd be like saying, look at how, look at it's look at hook or something right like or like look at wardlow but even less because wardlow has done some things but anyways martin and rush are super are super fun to watch as a tag team so whatever gets us that on tv is fine like it's a decent mid-card feud until martin and rush can hopefully build up to sort of move up the ranks of the tag teams because i now i almost don't want darius martin to come back i know i'm really enjoying rush and martin together Although I wouldn't mind this as a faction as well, with then Top Flight returning, and then Leo Rush can always go on his own as it well. It still feels like Brother comes back, and they're baby faces, and they get Rush out of there. But yeah. I don't know. We'll I see. Know. I, could, I, I would like a high-fun In faction. the meantime, that Leo Rush-Martin team is very fun. Yeah, as we'll hope it lasts as long as possible. Right. Um, I thought this was a fun match. I was so happy to see the claimed entrance on Dynamite again. I think it was two weeks in a row, I yep, want to say. I think so. Uh, who were they facing last week? I forget. I don't Damn know. Damn it. But uh, this is like two times in a row, I think, now that they've been on Dynamite. So that's great. Cause I, I, I think they're pretty good in the ring, but I just I really love seeing their entrance. I thought that this match was really fun. Yeah. I thought this was a great TV tag. Um, Rush and Martin do seem to have some actual great chemistry for like what competing twice together already yeah they're good so i think that's really nice they work very similar styles and they work off of each other really well and some of their offense is awesome to be fair they claimed had some great stuff as well they did um uh, next we had a quick bit from christian cage and jurassic express um christian says full gear was one of the greatest nights of his career which considering how long of a career he's had then i guess he really hasn't done a lot that's one of the greatest nights of his career well um he baby says, face logic <laughs> and he says cole has never heard the saying bring a fish to a Fist fight. Oh my god, that line was awful, Christian. I assume he put that in himself and thought it was funny. Never bring a fish to a fish fist fight. Like I get it's the reference to Bobby Fish, but that's I don't understand how that makes sense. It's dumb. There's a famous never bring a knife to a gunfight, right? You bring in a knife to a gunfight sort of thing, so I think it was a play off that, but it was bad. Yeah. Um Jungle Boy says they had the chance to end him last week and they didn't. He says they are better than they have ever been and they will see them on Friday. And I thought it was a solid promo from them. I'm glad Jungle Boy doesn't have a crabby beard anymore, and <laughs> Christian sucks. Yeah, Jungle Boy's improving on the mic, but I think he still has a ways to go. This was just a pretty standard promo. Nothing offensive, but nothing great either. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then next we have a quick Cargill Red Velvet package, which I did not take notes on because it just it moved kind of fast. And I also it don't just care. summarized their history like in a back and forth yeah, manner, trying to build a little short something. Short back and forth video package to build the tournament matches a bit more. Yeah. It was fine, but I never really cared about this feud since that Shaq match. Yeah, I think both of these women have really good charisma and actually speak really well. They just need to get better in the ring, which I'm not saying they should be better than they are already because they're a uh, Jade definitely is kind of new. I don't really know about Red Velvet, but as long as they keep getting better in the ring, they're going to be really good, both of them, I think. So I thought the production, it was like a slick, well-produced package. It did its job. It's adding a little something to just a tournament match, which is what the point was. So I think it did its job. Mm-hmm. And then next we have a quick Lucha Bros uh, promo. Um, obviously translated through Alex Penta says FTR cheated to win multiple times, but they suck so bad they couldn't get the job done. And Phoenix says they have something special for next week and they'll see him next week, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, solid, straightforward. I thought it was nice to hear Phoenix speak because I feel like he doesn't say a lot. So, I mean, it was nothing special, just straightforward stuff. I thought it was fine. Yeah, I thought it was a solid promo. They didn't say much, but I thought it was, they did pretty good. Yep. Well, you're sounding a little bit sicker. And then, um, I don't know, my... It's starting to sound congested a I've little. I've got like a... Yeah, I don't know. My throat's a little... It doesn't hurt, but... I don't, You're at might, the main it event. Might, it might be from the smoothie, but... Lots of your know. talking's almost done. Um. Yeah, so we have arrived to the main event, which is Jay Lethal challenging Sumi Guevara for the TNT Championship. If you didn't hear the full gear review, they did announce that Jay Lethal had signed with AEW, so this is his first match. Right. Um. And this was an entertaining back-and-forth match to cap off the show. Um. There was a lot of back-and-forth wrestling early on. Um, Jay Lethal hits the hip toss cartwheel drop kick uh, for one count. Um, kind of the move that Young Bucks did. You do. mention Nice is in the crowd again? Uh, no, I did not. But he, he, is. he is. They show us early on he's there. Which that's gotta come something soon, and I will take Tony Nice versus Sammy Guevara. Yep, me too. That sounds pretty yep. good. Uh, Fosbury flop dive by Guevara. Uh, Lethal gets his knees up on shooting star press from Guevara, which looked pretty nice. Rapid fire corner attack by Lethal, and a big pop up off of an Irish whip under the ropes, like. Like, if he's popping him up to set up or something, but he just lets him drop. Right. So, it was pretty nice. Yep. Uh, Guevara always avoids a lethal injection, which is just a handspring cutter, and hits a standing Spanish fly, which looked pretty nice. He goes for a swanton bomb uh, to the outside through the timekeeper's table, but lethal moves out of the way, and Guevara counters the Macho Man elbow and a crucifix pin for two, uh, reference to black machismo. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting sit-up face buster move by lethal for two. Uh, Guevara gets out of the figure four leg lock that lethal had put on for a little bit. Uh, Guevara flips over Dragon Suplex and it's a nice pump knee strike and another really nice one. Yes. And then he falls to the GTH to get the win. Yeah, um, I'm not a huge Jay Lethal fan, uh, more so of his in-ring work, though he is good in-ring. But as somebody who's been watching Ring of Honor for the last however many weeks and reviewing it, like a year or whatever, I thought he looked reinvigorated here. He looked faster, he looked more energetic than I've seen him in ROH. And he and Sammy had some pretty amazing sequences in this. I'm sure being in front of like a, a huge, rabid crowd and in a championship match in a main event, sort of on your debut, right, would get his adrenaline pumping for sure. So I think Lethal comes away looking legit here. He looked really good, and he's going to make an impression on anyone who doesn't happen to know who he is, right? Sammy looks really good defending against a tough opponent while he's uh, sort of selling an injury. And I thought this was an excellent main event, and the crowd definitely loved it. So, I mean, I'm not thrilled with Jay Lethal being signed. I just, he's not one of the ones in a in a very bloated roster that I think they need, but I thought he had a really good match here, so who knows? Oh, yeah, we've been talking about people needing to sign like O'Reilly and Gargano and Dunn, but you know who you haven't mentioned? Who? You want to guess? Hmm? 
You want to guess? Jay Lethal. Taylor Russ. Taylor Russ. They need to sign Taylor Russ. Need to. We'll, you never know. He's out there. He is out there now. So AEW sign him, him up, all right? You're not going to like this. I could see him on Dark or Elevation. That is disrespectful. <laughs> I and if, I, if that happens. Or accurate. I maybe i will i will actually watch dark if he's on wow it, okay they i will aw you want me to watch dark i will even review it if he's on there okay? wow nice if he is there if he's not then i will not um i thought it was a great main event though Guevara put on another great title defense i thought lethal had a great showing uh, as well i haven't seen a ton of him but i thought this was a great showing for him it was it definitely helps that if i haven't seen him that exactly. this was a good That's what showing I'm saying. for him a great choice for a main event good way in the show a uh, nice start to Ed Lethal's run. Not sure how prominent he'll be, but good start. Yep. Um, what did you think of the show? And a letter grade. I thought it was another pretty excellent episode of Dynamite. Any issues I had with it were pretty minor, right? I thought the Danielson-Uno opener was a good six-minute match to further establish Danielson. Nayashida had a good match, and the acclaimed match and the main event, I would say, were excellent. So that's some pretty good action on this show. Uh, super click twice... Page and MJF had great promos, and then I thought Jade, Velvet, Malachi Black all had good segments as well. I didn't think there were any really bad segments. Again, I, I nitpicked a couple areas, but that's if all I'm doing is nitpicking after covering NXT, like nitpicking's fine. NXT, it's just basically dump the whole show, right? Here, it's only a couple tiny things here and there. Uh, on the plus side that we didn't point out, no Dan Lambert or America's top team. So uh, that it seemed, it might be over. No inner circle either. I mean Guevara was there. That's I, a bonus. But like no segments or whatever. Right. So seems like a standard grade for AEW for me right now, but I can't help it. I thought this was another A minus show. Like I really, really enjoyed it and only had minor issues. If one more match was like excellent then i probably would move it up to an a so an a minus again for me this nice. week good show um overall i thought it was a good show the opening segment followed by the ryan uno match was an awesome start to the show um the mjf promo and kingston interview were both good butcher and believers casting ishi was fine but it was exactly what you'd expect yeah, i didn't um the fgr andrade thing was solid and the conti package was fine as well uh biggest interview was solid uh sheeta rose was actually pretty good not as good as some of the other ones but i i still liked it Me too. malachi black's promo was good i always love his promos and mjf's was good as well and the interaction with punk darby allen saying was lame because gun club sucks uh the super quick promo was good uh russian martin versus the claim was very fun that one was awesome and Jurassic express with lucha bros and those promos were both fine and the main event was awesome as well um i was thinking b plus but i think looking back it's definitely better than i yeah i do that sometimes so i'll go with an a minus as well as i talk about it i and then i've done that a few weeks where i talk about it and then i get to my grade now either either way sometimes i'm like you know what i liked it a little better than that or like i really complained a few more times than i thought so yeah i thought it was a really good show all right that's going to wrap up our dynamite review and move us into another segment where we talk about other wrestling stuff and we call it any other wrestling business So we'll start out with Impact Wrestling, and this week's episode started with a really good recap of Moose's recent situation, sort of with a summary of all of the reasons. I think I caught that, yeah. You did. You were here for the first bit, and then you came back at the end just to laugh maniacally at me, but we'll talk about that when we get there. <laughs> Your timing was perfect for it that one. Perfect, yes. 
So it's kind of a summary of all of the reasons why so many people on the roster have an issue with Moose, which I kind of like as a story. He's got all kinds of... It's realistic, of, right? right? And Not all just kinds... like one people or yeah. one person, whoever's quote unquote next in line. There's like a lineup of people wanting a shot at Moose, which and I like. all of them make sense at right. least. They right. They all have reasons. So I thought this was a really slick segment to start the show and it'd be helpful if they got any new viewers. And since we talked about the ratings and they were up significantly from last week, they might have. So it would be a nice little introduction and recap into the sort of main event scene, which is smart. I think definitely Suzuki versus Alexander is quite a draw. Yes, that is probably true. It made Moose look like a dominant heel champion and they even, I thought, managed to make Eddie Edwards look like a worthy challenger, even though he's not. No offense to him, but he's not winning. (laughs) But anyways, we start out this uh, show in ring with a Macklin versus Laredo Kid match. The stipulation here is if Macklin wins, he will be added to the Trey Miguel Laredo Kid X Division Championship match, I think at Turning Point, which is tonight, right? Yes, it is. Um, So... This match started out much more technical than I expected because neither man is really known for being that type of wrestler, but Laredo Kid specifically was showing off some technical abilities right, here. Laredo Kid's primarily high-flying, and Macklin's like a bruiser kind of. Like kinda. an aggressive kind of bruiser, yeah. So this was a cool contrast to styles, like you're saying, right? We have the aggression and power of Macklin against the speed and high-flying ability of Laredo Kid. So Macklin hit a nice suicide dive to Laredo Kid that ended up... It was at the base of the ramp, so I think Laredo Kid sort of hit a little harder than he planned because the ramp was starting when he fell back, so the ground was a little not as far back as he thought it was. Laredo Kid then escapes the crosshair, which is the upside-down sort of corner spear that you don't love, but I do. Namesake of the best Bad Batch character. Sure. But Macklin, I thought this was cool because Laredo Kid pulls himself up to avoid it, but Macklin quickly adjusted too and just slid on his belly out to the floor. I remember Baron Corbin used to do that all the time. Yes, and it looks cool. And then Laredo Kid used that to... He stepped off the ring post and jumped onto Macklin onto the floor in what I thought was a pretty cool segment. We got a Michinoku driver by Laredo Kid, a series of moonsaults by Laredo Kid that all looked good, a really nice high running knee by Macklin, a nice poison rana by Laredo Kid, and then eventually the finish comes when Macklin hits the crosshair successfully. He drags Laredo Kid from the corner to immediately hit the mayhem for all, which I also like. And Macklin gets the win here in what was a six and a half minute X Division opener. You watched this one with me. I thought this was an excellent match. It it didn't get a ton of time, but it got a bit more than what we usually get on Impact. I feel like they could have gone even longer with this. And I'll even make a suggestion later where they could have pulled some of those minutes from. I think Macklin is awesome. So yes, I am in fact saying that Steve Cutler from WWE is awesome. I like, remember when I first started watching NXT, he was like a big jobber boy. Like he's one of my favorites right now across companies maybe. Like I really like his violent style just works really well. And he seems to keep sort of adding more and more as the weeks go by. He does something a little bit different or adds another move to the repertoire. His finishing combination of the crosshair and the um, Mayhem for All is among my favorites in wrestling. I would have to probably say my favorite combo right now might be, it's also an impact, strangely enough, Josh Alexander's powerbomb onto the knee, and then the the C4 is pretty awesome too. So he's, Macklin has still never been pinned or submitted, and Laredo Kid looked awesome in this as well. He flies around the ring, looks incredibly smooth, never really seems to make any mistakes, and he's taken a lot of risks uh, along the way. One of so those I, guys. I thought this was an excellent opening match. I don't know. I think I liked it more than you did. You actually watched, or you were kind of, your attention was probably divided with your phone, but um, you 
do you like this match okay i thought or? it was okay it's, yeah. it's too short i really liked it um, um but i'm more also used to impact right so uh we get a recap i mean i am used to nxt hat we uh get a recap of brian myers beating sam beal with a chair on bti so before the impact before this episode i guess Which the restraint you must have had to not watch it right and now he's on a stretcher backstage with Willie Mack and Rich Swan accompanying him. So Swan ends up cutting a promo. He basically is questioning Myers' leadership ability, says that Myers can learn under Swan's tree, and Swan will take a switch and beat Myers with it. He then challenges Brian Myers to a match at Turning Point. So I thought Swan was... Oh, I, that's explained, because I saw a thing that Myers was pulled from Turning Point. Oh, he was? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. I hadn't heard that. So I thought Swine, Swan was fine. Swine, that's not nice. <laughs> Swan was fine here in his promo. He's usually not great in a promo. So if I don't have any problems with it, that's generally an improvement for him. But I thought it was a bit ridiculous that he makes this whole speech and then turns to the medic and is like, okay, get him to the hospital. Like, why wouldn't you let your friend who's just been attacked get to the hospital before making this speech? So I thought that was a little bit of a flaw in this, but otherwise it was fine. So Trey Miguel then isn't happy with the X Division title match being a triple threat, but he says he's ready for anything. He's going to go out of his way to beat Macklin to retain the title. So I thought it was pretty generic promo. Trey's never my favorite on the mic. I do think it's somewhat interesting that he's saying he's going to target Macklin specifically, right? So I don't know if that's a sound strategy in a triple threat to claim you're going to beat one guy specifically for the title, but I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it feels like... It would be an opportunity to set up like he's distracted by his obsession with being pinning Macklin. Or like right? I think or like to keep him from having any excuses, I guess, this time. Right. And so I don't know if they're planning a title change or not, but it would be an interesting way that maybe Trey's too focused on Macklin and Laredo Kid can sneak in there. I don't know. But anyways, I guess we'll find out. So Ace Austin is then talking to Gia Miller backstage. You told me they're together? I think so. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't think I knew that. So Ace Austin isn't interested in beating Chris Saban again at Turning Point because as his shirt says, he already beat Chris Saban. So Saban, of course, interrupts and tries to talk Austin into taking the challenge. And I think Austin accepted, I but they start did. brawling, so I wasn't entirely sure. Um, Saban locks Fulton in a cooler as the brawl ensues. Uh, Austin just sort of leaves, escapes, and Saban then comedically like knocks on the cooler that Fulton's trapped inside as he walks away, leaving Fulton, in theory, trapped in the cooler. For maybe a week. So I thought, and you were here for this, I thought Austin was really good here as like the annoying chicken heel who's kind of hiding behind his big muscle guy. So I really like the role he's playing. And I think the funny thing when Saban was complaining about the shirt and Austin just quickly went, do you want me to get you one or something? <laughs> yeah, I thought that, that was, was fun. pretty funny. Um, I didn't really like the brawl to end. I would have preferred it just like Fulton and Austin walk away or something because I thought the brawl was kind of cheesy and having to like incorporate Fulton falling into the cooler and getting locked in I thought was wasn't my favorite but everything up to the brawl I thought was fine uh inspiration are now taking on the undead bridesmaids without the undead bride and I had my note here Jack dislikes much about the inspirations presentation so I don't know if you want to talk about that I briefly. thought their ring gear looks kind of weird like it looks like a weird schoolgirl thing or something yeah and then, and then their theme is not very good right. but then again I thought their WWE theme was very nice 
Yeah. But and I think the titles are designed very poorly. They are That was it. Very yes. small. I knew there was a list of things you were not a They're fan of. they're very small. I think that's an issue with many women's titles. And like I I knew that, that was always a thing like I I've seen like when I watched like the history of the G one climax, like yeah. old Japan belts were, were pretty small, tiny. but like Yeah. Or like the junior heavyweight title not in New Japan, but like that's junior heavyweights and I feel like women's titles a lot are small. I mean ask they a, are. ask AEW up yes. until like uh, earlier this year. It's still small-ish. I mean, it was bigger than it was initially. It's of but... decent size now, though, yes. I think. Like, earlier, it was, like, midget. So, early on in this match, Jessica McKay's antics were really the only thing that I was finding entertaining. I kind of just think that everything she does is kind of comedic, in a way. I think she's not a great wrestler, but she's an excellent performer, I if think Peyton Royce, or Cassie Lee, or whatever, is better in ring. But I still don't find her good. And equally funny. Um, Chinbreaker, while doing the splits by Kimberly, I thought was pretty cool. I don't know if she's done it before. I haven't noticed. And the zombies are so flexible. Right. We get an assisted powerbomb by the inspiration for the win in what is, for me, too long nine minutes. This is where I'm saying give three three or four of these minutes to the opener, right? Like that would be a much better time spent, I think. So Decay come down after the match and surround the ring and are creepy and they enter. Inspiration are obviously terrified about this, and they end up sitting back to back in the middle of the ring, crippled with fear. Yeah, I didn't. I thought that looked kind of dumb. And Decay grab the titles and hold them up, and then their theme hits, and they just leave. So I guess it's just intimidation and fear that they're going for at this point. They didn't attack anybody or anything, but I guess because they're the baby faces, even though they're uh, demons and teleport and. And again, also one of them's a bull. So the match wasn't very good. I'm not gonna lie, but that's not what the inspiration are about. I'm almost to the point where I wish that they would embrace that in their character somehow. Like, basically admit that they can't really wrestle or that their other people wrestle better than them, but the fact is they still win all the time because they're not good in the ring, man. I don't even think Peyton Royce is very good or whatever her new name is, but anyways. I think she's better. And Decay do nothing for me at this point. I'm not sure why anyone would be afraid of them, to be honest, because they don't seem very intimidating to me Stay but anyways creepy face pain i guess and poor black tarus i would love him to break from decay although and do i something. i was saying that if if you're in like a dark place yes. or whatever, black tarus he'd be the one that's terrifying scary. for sure that mask is just that's awesome just wait how they treat wait to see how they treat him later in this i think you didn't see you were still watching up to this point but there's anyways you'll see later Earlier this week, Chelsea Green, they tell us, became the number one contender for the digital media title. Digital the media pres- title. The most prestigious championship in this great sport. In what I would guess was an internet match. I still don't know what's going on with this title, but I don't really care either. So she speaks to Gia about it, and she wants the title, and she goes out and gets what she wants. Cardona, who is with her, gets to speak, and it almost becomes more about him and, like, Chelsea Green's a bit of an afterthought here. So Cardona summarizes his loss to Moose. He says he was very close in that match. So he wants the next title shot because he's always ready. Interruption again. It's Morrissey this time. And he says that Matt Cardona won't get the next shot because Morrissey is in his way. Cardona then takes it upon himself to basically make a match between he and Morrissey at turning point. I don't know if it's for the next number one contender or what it is, but that's what we've got. I liked Morrissey Bragging here. Right. He's really good as the intense bully whenever he shows up, so I think that works. I, I have a bit of an issue with Cardona thinking he deserves the next title shot after he lost his most recent match. Um, so I don't know how that makes sense, but he was fine here too. And that, like I said, Green kind of became an afterthought, really. Gia then is talking to Eddie Edwards and asking about being the first of many to get their shot at Moose. 
Eddie starts to run down his recent history with Moose and his wife, Alicia Edwards, a lot of it as well. Moose attacks, but and they brawl down the ramp to the ring apron where Eddie gets hit with a urinagi, then a powerbomb onto the apron that looked pretty good. Moose gets a table and a chair. He wraps the chair around Eddie's neck and runs him into the ring post. Eddie ends up escaping and wears out Moose with a steel chair in the ring. We get a butterfly powerbomb and a Boston knee party that leaves Moose lying on a table. Eddie gets a ladder and looks like obviously his plan is to climb up onto this ladder and deliver something to Moose through the table, but Moose gets up and escapes. I thought this, is seg this segment was just a bit too long. I preferred Moose looking dominant. I don't really love Eddie Edwards. And I mean, obviously, it's a prelude to Moose winning the match, right? So they're trying to give Eddie Edwards a chance to look strong leading up to that. But I don't think you always need to do that. And I would have preferred Moose just looks dominant because he should, I think, at this point. But I get what they're trying to do. It's just not really working for me. Moose is still angry about this treatment at the hands of Eddie Edwards as he's backstage. And Scott Demore appears. And I guess we find out why they had the tables and the chairs and the ladders and everything. Because he makes the match between Eddie Edwards and Moose at Turning Point. Full Metal Mayhem. Right. So full Metal Mayhem match. Damn. Now... You're going to hear Jackson every time call it mayhem match, and it's not because he doesn't know how to pronounce the word. It's an homage or a dig, I guess, at Josh <laughs> Matthews because Josh Matthews, the forever like commentator, not currently, but before, he, he is incapable of saying the word mayhem. So it is always mayhem. Oh. It's, and it's, it's now a good thing he joke. doesn't call a Mac a mayhem for all. Mayhem for all. It would be. Now, I, I and I was saying, I literally want him to be a commentator for the pay-per-view for this one match. For the Full Metal Mayhem match. Yes. Uh, Eddie keeps kind of flipping back and forth for me between, like, embracing this hardcore gimmick and then trying to, like, distance himself from it. And it's, like, back and forth, right? So He definitely looks the part of the hardcore gimmick more. He still looks like a I, crazy... I guess the idea boy. is it gives Eddie more of a chance. Like, it's more believable Eddie could win if he's allowed to use weapons and things because he's definitely the competitor who's more has more experience in those types of matches. But, I mean, let's be real. He's not winning that match. So it doesn't matter what weapons he's going to use. We then get Mercedes Martinez, and she talks about her sort of surprise attack on Mickey James last week as Mickey James came out to help her in an attack from, was it Madison Rain, probably, I think. Um, so she quickly turned on Mickey James and delivered some offense to her. So she says she respects Mickey James, but respect goes out the window. She came to this division to dominate. She took out three women on her first night in Impact, and in two days she's taking out the legend Mickey James to win the Knockouts title, and the reign of the OG badass begins. So I thought this was an excellent promo from Martinez. And she does, to me, come off as a badass, both in this promo and in the ring. And I really hope she wins, and I think there's a chance she does. Because Mickey could be a really good transitional champion, right? She doesn't work for this company. She can go back to NWA, where she's an executive. And Mercedes could be a legit champion that gets a strong win right out of the gate. And could hopefully, for me, have a pretty long reign, because I don't see a lot of competition in this division. That's what I would do until Diana Perrazzo is ready. I think Perrazzo, she could easily take a hiatus because she's been working really hard and often, and she could come back as a baby face to sort of feud with Mercedes Martinez, and I think that matchup would be probably the one I would look forward to the most out of this division of anyone considered. But 
there's a monkey wrench thrown into that plan a little bit later, but that was my thoughts in this minute. You have Diana gone for a while. She comes back as a face, challenges the strong champion Martinez, and has an awesome feud. But we'll see. We then get a dream match for everyone. It's Hikaleo versus Doc Gallows. Oh, dude, I've been waiting for this for right? 10 years. So I'm not interested in in this, obviously. It feels very much like a WWE, but they're so big match, right? They're both big. They're so big. Look at them. They're so big. Big baby um, boys. And as long as they're both talented performers, that's fine, right? But I would argue that is not the case here in either of them. One is past his prime by far and struggles to get around the ring at times. And the other one for me is just really young and inexperienced still. I'll let you figure it which is which on your own. So we get lots of punches and walking around because guess who's in control of offense then? Uh, Mr. Gallows. Yes. Punch, walk, walk, walk. Punch, walk, walk, walk. A bullet club... Bullet Club get up on the apron and allows Hikaleo to hit a low blow without the ref seeing it. So then after that plodding start by the big men, we need a rest hold. So we get a chin lock and then a neck vice from Hikaleo as the big men catch the breath, I guess. We get a boot sequence by Gallows that actually looks pretty good, but he does look exhausted at this point. Anyways, fast forward, Anderson shows up on the apron, briefly distracts Hikaleo, allows Gallows to gouge the eyes of Hikaleo, and then hit his choke bomb for the win. First half of this, really boring. Second half, a little bit better. Still not great. Gallows obviously has to win, despite being outnumbered, so we can just move on from this, right? Bay and... This is a strange little phenomenon. Chris Bay and El Fantasmo are really cool, but somehow Bullet Club, which they make up two-thirds of, is not, right? So I don't know how to reconcile that, but I don't care about Bullet Club, but I like two of these guys. Um, the... Good brothers aren't interesting either, so this feud, surprise, surprise, does very little for me. Gia is then waiting for Diana Perrazzo, so much for the hiatus I had planned in my fantasy booking, <laughs> right? Like 10 minutes later, nope. Uh, so she's waiting for Diana Perrazzo to arrive for what Gia tells us is an exclusive sit-down interview. So Diana walks in with Matthew Raywalt, and they're both dressed completely in black, and Diana is wearing oversized dark sunglasses. She looks really cool, actually, as she generally does. So Diana starts out, her, her answers are really brief and vague, like one word and nothing specific. She clearly does not want to be there for the interview. So Gia, to her credit, who I think does a great job, she points out, she says, you agreed to this interview. And Diana quickly corrects her and says, no, I'm contractually obligated to be here. So Gia says that the fans deserve an explanation. Diana says she doesn't owe anyone anything. She will analyze her mistakes and correct them going forward. She doesn't need to tell anyone anything. And Gia and Mickey James will just have to wait and see what the Virtuosa does next. So I think Diana was great here. And actually, I'd like to give credit to Gia too. She's really good in her role on Impact. It's almost like Diana is in mourning after losing the title, rolling in all in black and barely commenting on the first few questions, which I thought was a nice touch. Uh, and I really like her talking about being the type of wrestler that's going to analyze her mistakes and correct them going forward, right? So she's like a thoughtful heel, not just like, I shouldn't have lost, I should never lose, I'm the best. It's like, I get, I lost, I made mistakes, I'm going to correct them. So I thought that was a really cool detail. I like the segment overall, but it kind of blows my Diana returns as a baby face idea out of the water <laughs> right right away. Right. Um, but honestly, she's a better heel than a baby face anyway, so I don't have a problem with it. Good old Finn Juice, they're not happy with being knocked all the way back down to the bottom of the tag team ladder. So Scott Demore shows up, surprise, surprise. 
um, complements Finjuice quite a bit here and gives them a match just randomly out of the clear blue sky against Decay at turning point. So I imagine this is basically an opportunity for Finjuice to pick up a win because they're coming off a loss in a title sort of chase and Decay who really cares about them. So I imagine this is like a get back on track match for Finjuice and it's just a crazy quick build for turning point because this is a match with I don't think any backstory that I can remember made like two days before the, the pay-per-view, but whatever. Eric Young promo with Violent by Design. He asked what it is like to be truly free. He says Rhino knew real freedom, but then he made a choice. That choice brings consequences. And at turning point, Eric Young promises to build a monument to violence, which I thought was cool, over Rhino and Heath's bodies. And this will be over forever. So Eric Young's promos continue to be by far the best thing that Violent by Design does. I still don't care about this seemingly never-ending feud. I really hope the over forever part is real. And Stryker just kind of kind of feels like I do, I guess, where they're just pulling this match out of the air. Stryker just goes, well, there's another match made for Turning Point, right? Like acknowledging it was kind of a, a very quick build. Um, he's kind of noticed the entire card seems to be being made tonight whether it's like a lingering feud that you, it makes sense or just a random match. So here we go. We get Johnny Swinger and Hernandez and Falaba taking on the team of Decay and the Demon. So it's not Finn Balor making his debut. <laughs> it's the Demon from awful 90s WCW who's still here for some reason after making a surprise appearance at whatever show that was that I can't remember. Down for glory. Thank you. So... This is yet another match I have no desire to see on this show. We get a very mild reaction for the demon as he comes out. Other than a single appearance for nostalgia's sake when he first was a quote-unquote surprise, who could possibly care about watching the demon wrestle in 2021? So Swinger, this is the part that I hated. Swinger uses his bandana to because it's red to be like a matador. And Tarus, of course, has to play along and behaves like a bull. So it just was awful. I just groaned audibly for that one. Uh, the demon is awful. Commentary make themselves sound ridiculous, trying to make it sound like the demon is good. So it, that was just awkward for them. Crazy Steve and Tarus dive onto Ba and Hernandez on the floor. And that allows the demon to apply, I think it was a million dollar dream to Swinger, who taps out instantly and thankfully just uh, over three minute match awful attempt at a comedy match thankfully it was short but it was a bad three minutes they are not whatever they paid the demon they are not getting any value out of that money um if he had been around longer this year he would qualify for my worst wrestler of the year but he hasn't i mean he just showed up so i can't really include him which we need to start thinking about by the way yeah because it is mid-november mainly NXT yes, we do. But I some I threw in some. Remember, I oh, yeah, you just EC3 did and mentions. Moose were in my honorable mentions for worst of stuff last oh, year. Oh, that's true. Right? <laughs> right. So, um, so then we get Johnny Swingers backstage. He's upset, obviously, and he passes John E. Bravo. So Bravo tries to console Swinger a little bit, but Swinger isn't having any of it, and he says something about hitting rock bottom because obviously he's just recently lost his casino. It's gone. Gee, I wonder what could ever happen next. So Swinger leaves dejectedly, and Havoc and Rosemary sort of magically appear. They're willing to help Johnny Bravo to help Swinger for the same thing they've always wanted, Bravo's virgin blood, which sends me back to not-so-fond memories. So no, we've gone down this road before, and it was terrible, terrible stuff. 
-hmm. terrible mm -hmm. comedy and supernatural stuff rolled into one, which is like my nightmare. I can't do this again. I don't know what they're planning, but I don't want it. No, you do not. We do not, definitely. We'll find out soon enough. So Jordan Grace talks about Chelsea Green at Turning Point. She says she respects Green, but there's a reason that Grace is the champion. Ellering, who's standing beside her, sort of speaks up now. She said uh, she reminds us that Green was in the multi-person match for the title in the first place with Jordan Grace and Dr Rachel Green. Haven't done it in a while. Chelsea Green lost and Jordan Grace won. Grace ends the promo by saying that Green couldn't get it done and she won't get it done now. Uh, I thought this was a pretty good promo by these two, a nice serious tone to it. And I like how these two seem really supportive of each other with no signs of dissension anymore. They've sort of done that story before. So I like that they're kind of always on the same page and supporting each other, even though only one of them has a title right now. So Mickey James then gets her chance to respond to Mercedes Martinez comments from earlier. She thought that Martinez was someone she admired and respected, and she thought she was coming out last week to help a friend. She won't make that mistake again, and Mercedes better get ready for hardcore country. So a good, a good quick babyface promo. Uh, Mickey James is just a pro, right? So everything she does is at least solid, so I have no problem with this. We then get the match that I was really looking forward to on this show, and that is... Minoru Suzuki coming from New Japan to take on Josh Alexander as he's sort of stepping away from the main event to deal with this and then in my hopes going straight back to it but we'll see and there have been some lackluster matches on the show tonight so this one should be great I thought the crowd chance this is awesome five seconds into the match super annoying nothing has happened stop it stop it stop it stop it the you deserve it the this is awesomes save them they are you now got it. they're basically meaningless at this point right because they just throw them out as soon as possible um anyways after alexander has control to start suzuki attacks alexander's arm suzuki gets a chair a security guy steps in to try and stop him and he obviously gets taken out by suzuki it, i think it was just a forearm or something didn't look quite as strong as i'd hoped it would they then fight up the ramp and suzuki hits a running boot that sends um, Alexander all the way to the base of the ramp. Lots of strikes and exchanges. Alexander fights his way to the gotch pile driver, hits a roll through slam and a diving knee for two. Then we get some counters of each other's signature submissions. Then two really big forearms and a C4 spike. And Alexander picks up the win in just under 14 minutes, so a lot of time for this match. I thought the first half was pretty underwhelming and I was starting to lose interest a little bit, which I can't believe I'm saying about a match between these two guys. But once Alexander started fighting back, things got a little more interesting for the final few minutes. I thought it was a decent main event, but certainly not what I had hoped for. I was hoping to be really excited and saying you need to go out and see this, which is definitely not the case. A solid main event, but nothing spectacular. And I think this sounds crazy. But I enjoyed the six-minute opener X-Division match more than I liked the 14-minute main event between Alexander and Suzuki. So that is not how that should go, right? So uh, a little bit disappointed now, in the main speaking event. Of more interesting. But it was still solid. So the show's over, right? I can move on? Yep. Nope. So after the main event, so does the positioning of this indicate how important this is to them? Because it better not. So it's funny because Jack watched... I don't know, the first few matches and segments, right? And then you were gone. And then you came back down right for this moment. Yeah, I saw like the ending of the Alexander Suzuki right. match. So then he's sort of sitting down and we get our final segment, which is we go back and it's Johnny Swinger and John E. Bravo together. And they run into everybody basically from Swinger's Palace. So they're not sure why they're there, but then Decay magically appears 
to say that they brought everyone together. So don't be laughing into the microphone directly because it's going to clip and it's going to be annoying for our listeners. So they tell us, I wish this was a video pod right now, to see the joy on my son's face as I am about to re-enter my own personal hell and he is amused. So next week, they're coming <laughs> together again, all of them, in Wrestle House 2. <laughs> as Impact Wrestling is trolling me. They have, this can't be real. It can't, it can't be. There, there's no way that this is an it's actual thing. graphic and everything. So this is my nightmare. <laughs> I honestly can't believe that they are going back to this. And that they are so excited about it that it follows what, in theory, was like a huge main event on this show. So in my notes say, Jack showed up just in time to laugh hysterically at my misfortune. And it's you're so still funny. laughing. Yeah, well, and then I get to hear about it. That's That was my favorite part when you reviewed Impact and it was like this and it was bad. And I was so excited that Swinger's that Palace had ended. Because Swinger's Palace was really bad. It wasn't Russell House bad, but it was really <laughs> bad. And then when Swinger's Palace went away, I was like, oh, man. They're ditching all their really, really stupid comedy stuff. Nope. They're bringing back the worst of the worst <laughs> of the worst again for me to talk about. So amazing. Um, I don't know, man. Overall, this was, I think, just below a decent episode of Impact. The in-ring work was okay. Like, I really liked the opener. The main event kind of underwhelmed, and there was nothing exciting in between. Segment-wise, the retir- return of Wrestle House is exciting, a crushing blow to ever. me, <laughs> right? But to be fair, Deanna Perrazzo had an excellent segment. Violent by Design had a good promo, despite what I think about the, everything else they do. Mickey was solid. Mercedes had a really good promo. And the Moose Eddie Edwards uh, match is being built. And they I guess it was to add that classic impact stipulation, right? So that makes sense. Um. But I can't give this show a little bit lower than usual. So I'm going to go with the C plus because I didn't like a fair amount. And the main event, Underwhelming, and the Wrestle House 2 is what brought it How out of the B range How long do you think uh, Wrestle House can go for? I, they'll go for months. They There's some people don't hate it. Like, you can find very limited feedback on Impact Wrestling, which is part of the reason I do it on this show. Because I think it's one place people can come to get some kind of uh, information on Impact. But people... Some people like it and think it's funny <laughs> and it is not. So those people, I usually am like, everyone should have their, I think it's objectively bad, but some people don't. So I think it'll go for months, dude. I think You're going to get months of me angry it. about it. Exactly. That's the, that's, <laughs> that's the point. Right. So you'll be looking forward to that. So a C plus yeah. show, a few good things, a couple really good promos, a solid six minute opening match, and then some disappointing stuff along the way leading at the rock bottom of Wrestle House 2 coming back. <laughs> Damn it. Anyways. Electric Boogaloo. So that ends my review of Impact Wrestling this week. What do you have for us? Are we going to talk about um, some Yeah, we have a Survivor, Survivor Series, Series predictions. 2021 preview and predictions. Um, So I started out, I just included uh, the pre-show Battle Royal, 25-man pre-show Battle Royal, a uh, dual brand in honor of Rock 25. I actually have everyone in it, so oh, I'll boy. list that off just in Great. case. Great. Uh, so technically speaking, the battle royal is Ricochet versus T-Bar versus Mansoor versus Cesaro versus Montez Ford versus Angela Dawkins versus Eric versus Ivar versus R-Truth versus Drew, Lack, Drew Gulak versus Drew Lack. Styles nice. versus Omos versus Sami Zayn versus Humberto Carrillo versus Angel Garza versus Apollo Crews versus Commander Aziz versus Otis versus Chad Gable versus Sean Benjamin versus Cedric Alexander versus Dolph Ziggler versus Robert Roode versus Jinder Mahal oh and God. finally Shanky. Nice. Um, sorry, what do they get if they win? 
anything? That's a good question. There's no stakes at all? No, well, that I know. My choice it's is, in honor of Rock 25. Then my choice is clear. Hmm. I will take Omos. Omos, really? Because if there's no stakes, it doesn't lead to him in a singles okay, match. Okay, so my... I don't know if you know this about him. He's really, really big. <laughs> okay, my theory is... So since it's supposedly in honor of Rock, I feel like that has to play into it at first to some degree, right? And so I'm thinking it would be like something, someone like Ford or Alexander because it's WWE. You know how they are. Yes. And at the same time, it is just a pre-show about Royal, so I'm not thinking about it too much, but I'm going to pick Montez for because I think... I feel like he kind of fits the bill for, like, a Rock 25 honorary thing. And I heard they want a singles push for him. So, yes, this doesn't mean anything, but this is a start. That would be a start. I just feel like they love Omos or however you say it. Omos is it, And that this is a way in a safe environment to showcase the crap out of him and put a feather in his cap because they love him. I think it's still do that without him winning, but I see what you mean, yeah. He is big. But what about, is there no surprise entrance? No, those are 25 Because then I would think it would be, like... Sokoa making uh, his appearance uh, to sort of be th- a tie be to funny. that whatever that to the they rock as well. That, yeah. Uh, okay, so that's my choice for that one. Mm. Um, Raw tag team champion versus SmackDown tag team champions. RK Bro versus the Usos. Um, I took the Usos because the Bloodline are are on a pretty kick ass run right now. One of W and the Usos are one of WWE's best current and all and all time tag teams. RK Bro are still an odd couple tag team. Only, have only mutually come to like to each to like each other for like a couple months now there's no universe where they should go with the usos they're still not really an actual tag team for me and the usos are like one of the all-time greats i agree with what you're saying i would take the usos as well it's just kind of one of those they're in a more prominent storyline and they shouldn't be losing at this like, point i can't really think of anything rk bro's done like who does a loss hurt more definitely usos right so i don't think it matters if rk bro because they're again they're kind of a reluctant tag team or whatever mm-hmm. so i'll take usos too um united states champion versus intercontinental champion damian Priest versus Shinsuke Nakamura. I really want to pick Nakamura here, no way. but they'll never give him a nope. moment, so I'm gonna have to pick Priest. Honestly, I am fine with Priest wing though, because he's still relatively relatively new to the roster, less than a year, because I think he debuted at the Rumble. Yep, and he's pretty good too, so I, I'm happy either way, pretty much. They are determined to underuse Nakamura, and they are sort of seeming like they like. Yeah, they Priest, seem to kind of like Priest. So I'll take Priest. I think that's a pretty easy one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Team Raw versus Team SmackDown Women's Survivor Series match. Team Raw is Bianca Belair, Zelina Vega, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, and Carmella. Yes, a stacked roster. Um, and Team SmackDown is Sasha Banks, Shotzi Blackheart, Tony Storm. Ugh, that is gross. Natalia and Shayna Baszler. Um, so I'll go first again. Uh, I pick Team SmackDown. I don't want to pick Shotzi or Tony, but Shayna is on the team. Mm-hmm. And I think Banks is also good too. I think the Raw team is just as bad aside from Ripley and Blair. Because the way I see it, right, both teams have two people I like at least. Belair and Ripley on Raw and then Banks and Baszler sure. on SmackDown. And then you got three crappy ones on each team, right? Yep. So I think they're pretty even, but I like Shayna better. So I'm going to pick SmackDown and for that for reason. And for the sake of making this interesting and because I don't really care that much, I'll take Raw. Just because I don't have any clue, but it's it's kind of boring if we pick right. the same thing all the time. So. Um, so then we have the men's Survivor Series match, Team Raw, Team SmackDown. Uh, Team Raw is Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Bobby Lashley, Austin Theory, and Kevin Owens. Let's hope no more last-minute changes. Uh, <laughs> versus Team SmackDown, which is Drew McIntyre, Xavier Woods, Baron Corbin, Jeff Hardy, and the new entrant, hell yeah, Sheamus. Um, I, another reason I picked the women's team SmackDown is because I, I'm going with Team Raw here. I think the men's team actually has a pretty good lineup. It de- it's way better than the um smackdown because there's no one on that team i don't like like i like i've always liked rollins he's pretty good balor's good lashley's good i mean he's kind of fallen from 
the top of the card, but he's still good. Theory, he's good, and he's new, and Owens, we both like Owens. And whereas SmackDown, you have duds like Sheamus, Jeff Hardy, and Baron Corbin, and I still don't buy Woods as a single star. Like, I feel, everyone is saying how he should get his moment, like Kingston Big E, but I feel like they both had it coming, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas Woods feels kind of forced. I feels off. love that you're taking Raw, because I wanted to take SmackDown on this one, and you silly, silly boy... Thinking that WWE main roster is going to think at all like you do. All of the reasons you gave is the exact reason why you should pick the opposite. Because they're not going to do anything that you would think of. Because you're probably thinking logically. So you just made my exact case for me. Because all of that makes sense. So that's why they're not doing it. I just pick this team because I like them better. I'll take SmackDown. Because you're wrong. And (laughs) WWE would never do that. It has nothing to do with logic. I just like that team better. I think the other team sucks. I'll take SmackDown. I wanted them anyways. Yeah. I actually looked up a couple things today, so I'll take nice. SmackDown. Because I honestly don't care about those matches. So I'm literally no, just going on not. what team I like better, yep. and then I'm just like, yes, and, and that. And we, we got to disagree on a couple to yep. keep it fun. Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair, uh, women's champions match With thing. some real life heat. Uh, don't like Allegedly. Charlotte. She does not need to win, so I picked Becky. Well, you know I my rule win. is always <laughs> pick Charlotte, but... I feel like she's, if all of these stories are true, and I always think there's a t- possibility it's just a work, but um, I am actually going to take Becky Lynch in this one. That goes against everything. I, I always pick, goes against all your philosophies. Yeah, I always pick Flair because Flair, and like I feel like if you just <laughs> pick her every time, you're going to be right nine times out of ten. So, But I'm going to go against it. I think that lynch is the choice here uh, they can't be happy with charlotte lately um so i'll take becky lynch and becky's better i like becky better and then we arrive to the final match as provided they don't make any super duper last minute additions to the card uh big e versus roman reigns w champion versus universal champion um i went with roman reigns because number one it's roman reigns that is my main and reason and second uh i don't think roman should lose until he actually has to lose the title and since he can actually lose the title right. here i don't think he should lose and biggie won't be too hurt by the loss too much and the, i think he'll get a good showing which is important and roman, roman reigns is a beast so they have to book Big E strong here but i because he has to lose i'm as confident in this one as the priest one those are my two like borderline locks right reigns isn't losing here and they better keep Big E looking strong whatever that means i don't know what that's going to take but yes roman reigns is winning that mm-hmm. match for sure and do any of these matches have any stakes, you ask? Hell nah. Of course. Well, they were just made like five minutes ago, weren't they, some of them? And I'm they're constantly sure. changing and whatnot. I so. think the Battle Royal is either announced today or yesterday. So Interesting. Are you going to watch the Battle Royal? Because sometimes you don't watch pre-show at all. Mm-hmm. But you like a Battle Royal. So where do you go with that? Tough yeah, call, maybe. right? I might. Probably. Okay. Um, so uh, that's we it d- for... We just had nachos. Maybe. Are we going to do nachos again? We might. We could. We still have <laughs> leftover nacho fixings, so that would oh. make sense. Oh, that makes it easier then. Um, is that everything for any other wrestling business? Um, not unless you have anything else. I do not have anything All else. Because right, we it. haven't caught Rampage yet. I maybe watch not. that later today. Uh, so let's move into our final segment every week, which is an update from the world of wrestling action figures that we like to call Figuring It Out with Jack. And so, not a lot, but they, they had, like, last-minute reels. Like, when we were taking one of our breaks, I was like, oh, they did so. Because originally, I had nothing. So You just told people we take breaks? Man, they probably thought we just sat down and did I this mean, in one um, take. I uh, mean, Well, uh, actually, it's a compliment, because my post-editing skills are so amazing. They're not. That you... It's totally it's so seamless, seamless, right? Yeah, yeah. You'd never know. Right. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we got some new images for elite 91 um mostly mock images each one has like an image out of packaging but it's nothing interesting 
Um, the, the series includes Bianca Belair from Royal Rumble this year. Yep. When she won the title. Great match. Yeah. What? what? Royal Rumble? Oh, Royal Rumble. Oh, sorry. sorry. I was I, thinking when Mania. When I said she won the title, no, I meant, sorry, I meant she comes with the title, too. So oh. it's from when she won the Rumble, but it comes with the title. Sorry, gotcha. I, I confused myself there, too. Um, but so that, that one looks pretty nice. It's like the, it's got like kind of the comic looking, like the onomatopoeia on it and whatnot. Oh, the onomatopoeia. Look at you using the. I know words. Big words. Big boy words. Um, and then there's also Austin Theory, um, and it's like NXT look with the way logos and yellow and then the navy blue trunks. I think that's a really nice look. Yeah. As long as we can get a match in Gargano in that gear, I think that'd be really nice because I think the, the Gargano looks nice too. Yep. Uh, Kevin Owens from Royal Rumble 2021 as well. Comes with ladder and handcuffs. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how well they work. Yeah. Just don't let Paul Heyman near them. Yep. I think it looks pretty nice. It looks pretty similar to his last one. Just I think the beard's a little too dark, but I think it looks nice. Uh, next we have your favorite, your best friend, Hulk Hogan. Ugh, no I one think, buy it. I think it's from uh, SummerSlam 2005. Nobody buy it. Leave it on the shelf and walk away. <laughs> and then uh, there's Sami Zayn in his current look. I think the the actual like khaki pants he debuted at Elimination Chamber right. 2020. And then the hair and beard is like uh, more updated, like the longer look. It comes with the slammy and then like the hat and the jacket. It's pretty nice. Uh, it looks good. Um, and then we also have... Robert Van Dam, who comes with like a gray chair, and this is the tiger singlet one. Nice. It looks very nice. That's and the cool. chase variant is a red and white singlet version, which I don't have a picture of, but whatever. Uh, then we have a basic uh, series 126 images. Um, and so this series includes Drew McIntyre, which I think is just like a basic version of his latest elite. Yeah. Just with a reused head scan. So literally as lazy as it gets, which I think is <laughs> Royal Rumble 2021 against Goldberg. His legs look crazy. They almost look too muscly. Yeah. And like, this just like, it's the reused head scan from all the way back in Elite 83. And then it's just the tire from the latest elite and basic. I, I don't like the basics. I try not to pay attention to him. Although a half decent one right here, uh, Bobby Fish from Takeover War Games 2019, the green gear yeah, to match cool. O'Reilly and Strong. If it was an elite, I would totally buy it. But, but it's not, so you won't. Nope. I don't. I try not to care too much about the basics unless it's someone new who does not have an elite, like Isaiah Swerve Scott, who is released because they're idiots. Um, <laughs> this one's got like a painted on shirt, which is pretty nice. I wish we had gotten that shirt in cloth. It's the Undisputed Gold one. Remember, I have that one. Yes. Where it has like all the titles. I think that one's a really nice one. And uh, kind of timely, uh, Seth Rollins uh, from Survivor Series last year, so that's kind of nice. Nice. Um, he's got the blue guy. I wonder if he'll do a red and one. And the glove. Yes, the glove. If it's an elite, though, I don't really care if it has the glove because you can just take it off. Then. Right. Um, and then we also have a, a really random one, a blue gear Macho Man. I don't. I honestly have no idea when that could be from, but it looks very nice. It's like, yep. it looks like a classic Macho Man. So it cool. does. It doesn't even have like a headband and sunglasses, so that's pretty offensive. That is. Um, and then finally, you want to know who the final figure is? It's a really good one. Oh, yeah? Because it's the basic, and it's also Mandy Rose. Amazing. And it's short, blonde hair. I think it's her from SummerSlam, I want to say. No, Very out of date now. Yeah, it's incredibly out of date, actually. That, that sucks. Oh, wait. And so the Chase variant is the pink one. I messed it up. And then the the normal one is the blue one, which also has shoulder tape on it. Like, you know how Cesaro used to always have that? Yep. Uh... They both look ugly. <laughs> nice. Uh, next, we have Basic 127, which I saw they had some digital renders a little while ago, so now these are just, like, the actual versions of those. They look almost the same. Black and gold chain of Baszler, which looks pretty nice, but it is a basic, so I will still not get it. Right. Um, looks like Rey Mysterio in, like, a white 
It's like all of, it's mostly all green with a bit of white. Painted on single, which looks crappy as hell. That looks bad. I hate the paint on single because like there's just like no texture to it. See what I mean? Like it just looks bad. Yeah, I don't like it. It just looks flat. Next is Santos Escobar from Halloween Havoc 2020 XT Halloween Havoc. That is with the Day of the Dead face paint and the Rey Mysterio tribute gear, which I think is the exact tights that Rey Mysterio. So you think he just reused them, which I think is actually kind of cool. Yep. Uh, then we have uh Keith Lee in. Uh, another OD gear, the black and red trunks uh, with the singlet. Yep. It's not even... He fired, too. It's not even Bearcat Lee. Like, come on. Nope. Then we have Walking Wild, um, who comes with, like, a removal lucha mask, and then he's got the Day of the Dead face paint. Nice. And then the normal one is just the same black suit without the face paint. And then there's some uh, render images for Shotzi Blackheart Elite. Yay! Mm. Uh, Top Picks Rock, which is... It's an Agitator Rock, so that... I don't really care. Uh, pink and black Rey Mysterio for top picks as well. Nice. And then Ultimate Edition Alexa Bliss, which is her current gimmick, which sucks. So <laughs> it does. I don't really need that either. And that is everything. Wow. Well, that's bringing us to the end of a very lengthy, beefy episode 70. We're up around three hours, 20 minutes, which even for us long-winded folks is pretty lengthy. But we appreciate any time that you've spent with us. We may review Survivor Series. I don't know. We'll see how we feel about it. I wouldn't be surprised if we do. So keep your eyes out for that. I'll definitely be doing my, pretty definitely, doing my Ring of Honor again, probably on Monday or Tuesday. So that should be coming out. And then we will 100% be back next Saturday for episode 71. So thanks again for any time you take out of your week to listen to us talk about wrestling. We will see you when we see you. And until then, take care. Bye.